Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Well, I don't think it's humanly possible to fit uh, any more into one show for uh, three hours. So buckle up. It's going to be a good one. It's a legendary show, minus the host. Michael Ball here from the Conexus Art Center, site of the 2023 Plaza of Honor dinner. And they're going to be honoring the 2013 Grey Cup Championship team, the fourth and last championship the Saskatchewan Rough Riders won. I was very fortunate to be on the sidelines for that 45-23 game. The whole week sucked. It was cold. Cold. You did not put your tongue on a scraper, for sure. But then uh, Sunday came around. It was warm. Everybody was in the stands for the pregame warm-ups, and the riders would smoke Henry Burris, Ken Austin, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So we have a bunch of uh, people to get to today. Uh, G. Roy Simon's going to join us in eight minutes. He can't be here today because he's with the Argos in Toronto. Uh, ironically enough, they've got a big celebration too. Their 150th anniversary game. We're going to hear from Ken Korak. He is the voice of the Oakland Athletics. He'll break down what we saw yesterday in Major League Baseball. Uh, Arash Madani to talk about the Blue Jays post-mortem there. We're going to hear from Mitch Pickton, Ben Whiting, play now picks, Mitch Holfus, the play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs into his 30th season. Glenn Suter, Paul Waldo, who is part of the 2013 team, will join us live on set, and who knows what else we'll have going. Well, I know we'll have the Moj, Bob Marjanovic, the uh, longtime voice of the British Columbia Lions. But the Sean of you, uh, have you dissected that one yesterday, the Jays losing? From everything I'm hearing from media types and maybe the sense coming out of the locker room, it wasn't John Schneider's decision to pull Jose Barrios, but he was the last line of defense and did nothing to stop it. Did nothing to stop it, and so what do we do? I think you got to imagine that either Ross Atkins is at the lead of these analytics so therefore if Ross Atkins wasn't in the place that he's in John Schneider wouldn't be in the place that he was put in so it all starts at the top so if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays organization I'm taking a hard look at what's going on in the upper management and because you know Blue Jay fans they're not happy and if you want fans they're going to come out regardless let's be honest but like there's a lot of upset people right now and I think some change needs to happen not only that but the stars of the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. Bo Bichette, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., they have to step it up, man. Like, that was one pathetic series. I think you move, I th- I think you move on from both those dudes. Yeah. I, 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 think I you agree. Tear it down. I think you tear it down and you start over because how do you get picked off at second base when you got nowhere to run? You're not paying attention. Bichette, the game before, he, he runs past the stop sign to try to score. They're two 
arrogant, selfish players, in my opinion, and you can't win with those kind of people. No, I 100% agree. And how many times have we seen the same type of thing throughout the regular season with those two individuals? I mean, Bo Bichette with base running errors, Vladdy not paying attention. I mean, it's it's one thing to do it in the regular season, but then you carry it into an elimination game in the playoffs? Like, yeah. and, Vladdy is, and Vladdy is the one supposed to be playing for this contract to stay with the Blue Jays long term. I think it's the other way around at this point. I think he's auditioning for the Toronto Blue Jays because that's his, uh, that's all I'll say, but I'm just, I'm still fuming. Well, listen, he's a professional athlete, okay? He's elite. I'm not, listen, I I, I can barely pick up a baseball bat, let alone swing one, okay? But the guy came in uh, overweight and out of shape. He came in not prepared for the season. It was an embarrassment. So if he wants to be a leader, he's got to come in in elite shape, ready to go. And he, he wasn't this year. And uh, they, they, you're right. I'm not a big baseball guy. I'm not a big Jays guy. But anytime I watch, they continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. And how about the offense? That's on Atkins too. The GM. They didn't. They didn't perform offensively. They spent money and and it didn't pan out. Like you got to think Kiermaier's gone. You got to think uh, Chapman's gone. Whit Merrifield's gone. They'll probably have about fifty-seven million dollars in cap space that they can clear off their books. I'll tell you one guy that handled it well was. Um, Barrios, though, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He handled it well. Sat and watched all his um, former teammates or a lot of his former teammates celebrating there and did it with a lot of class. Didn't throw the manager, Schneider, under the bus. Um, you know, you and I probably ask for a trade or tip over a table in the clubhouse or something. I know I would. No, I know, and he's probably thinking to himself, Jose Barrios, like this pitching staff that we have or had, that was like World Series worthy. Like, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the Toronto Blue Jays had the best starting pitching staff left in the American League, and it just went all to waste because the likes of Vladdy Guerrero and Bo Bichette and everyone else you just mentioned, Matt Chapman, they just they failed to hit a baseball. It's ridiculous because that pitching staff, it's usually the other way around. Usually the Jays have the hitters, and they don't have the pitching. And then the one year that they have great pitching, they don't have the hitters. Like, Come on. Can we just put both together for once? I tell you what, man. That was, for the offense they have, that was a pitiful, pitiful performance uh, through most of this year, but definitely in the playoffs. And doesn't that uh, late season or end of the season celebration look stupid now, Zinger? Oh, I know. Can I I go back on my word? That was dumb. Why were they doing that, Balsy? (laughs) They should have never done that. That's embarrassing. Like It is it is embarrassing. You're right. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break because waiting on the other side, a guy that came to Rider Nation in 2013, he was a Rider killer, and he was okay in the regular season, but I remember fielding calls as to why do we got this guy here, and then when the playoffs came around and when they needed him in a big game, G. Roy Simon, Superman, landed in Rider Nation and helped the Rough Riders capture Grey Cup 101. He joins us from Toronto next. It's the Sports Cage brought to you by the Canadian Brew House here on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Conexus Art Center site of Plaza of Honor Dinner. Got a big one in store on the big stage here as uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders honoring the 2013 Grey Cup Championship winning team. This is not a public event. You can't just, unfortunately for you, come down here and 
take part in the festivities. They will have the, uh, on a beautiful 20-degree day, as Corey Atkinson told us in news and weather, it'll be 20 degrees on Saturday, or that's what it's expected to be, and they're going to have a big autograph signing uh, party in the park before the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, okay, this guy was very instrumental in helping the Saskatchewan Rough Riders be victorious, uh, you know, in the Great Cup, but was a leader in the locker room, man. Uh, and I don't think that leadership can be underestimated. It's the Superman, G-Roy Simon, now with the Edmonton Elks. He won't be able to be here tonight. But, G-Roy, uh, welcome to the show on the Western Pizza Hotline. I understand you're – are you coming to the game on Sat? Will you be here for the game at least on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I'm coming to the game. Uh, we play in Toronto tomorrow night, and then I'll fly back with the team and then basically just – I'll uh, sit at the airport for a few hours and get on a flight to Regina. I'm looking forward to, uh, awesome. to getting out there and seeing a bunch of guys. Yeah, man, I'm I'm glad you're getting out here uh, because, uh, I mean, I don't know that this championship would have happened without you. And I've talked to Darian Durant. I've talked to Mike McCullough. I've talked to a bunch of the guys, and they said, you know, Dar- you know, G. Roy Simon came in here, and when we first heard he was coming, it was like, what, G. Roy Simon's coming here? And... I mean, you weren't G. Roy Simon from five years earlier, at least uh, on the field, and maybe that had something to do with offensive schematics. But when they needed you, you were there. Just talk about your role in that 2013 team. Yeah, it was it was um, it was it was kind of it was kind of tough at first, you know, coming from BC where I'd been the, the go-to guy, and, and you know, you know, certain situations the ball was coming to me. Um, it was a learning process for me. Um, but you know, one, one thing that I always, that I always remembered is, um, you know, when you get to a team, when your role is defined, you got to accept that role and, and do it to the best of your ability. It took me a little while to, to, to figure out what it was, but once I, once I figured out that, that I wasn't the go-to guy on offense, um, you know, I, I figured, I, I, I felt it was best for me to step up in other ways and, and that was, you know, not, you know, maybe not, you know, doing as much on the field, but being more of a leader in the in the locker room and, and teaching, you know, trying to help help some of the young guys, um, you know, to to be better pros and 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 get the most out of their abilities. So, G. Roy, that's a good statement. There. I want to dive a little bit into that. Um, so, never heard you put it that way. So, you you had to figure out your role. Was it laid out for you, and then you it it finally clicked for you, or is that something you figured out as you went along and just said, "Hey, I'm not going to be the guy. I got to figure another way to to get a championship and help these guys out." Yeah, I mean, I think um, just you know, I played so many years, and 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 you know, just just through experience, you know, you can be paid as the number one guy. If the ball's not coming to you, you know, it's just not coming to you. You know, whether they're rolling coverage away or whether, you know, the quarterbacks are just not throwing it to you or, or you know, other guys are playing well and, you, and those guys are getting fed the ball. So, um, you know, it was just one of those things that, that I always realized that, you know, your role is your role and, and you know, you, you can you can have expectations of, of doing one thing, but um, in the end it's all about, you know, putting the team first and, and – you know, doing what's best for the team, and and that's where I, I'd always have success uh, when I got to the CFL because that's that's one thing I had to realize that when I'd gone to the NFL, I wasn't you know I wasn't the top dog. I just I, you know, and I had to do other things to, to be successful. And then you know, once I once I once I really hit home, I I just I just kept it with me throughout the rest of my career. 
G. Roy, I gotta say, I hated the pose when you were a BC line. Respected what you did, but I hated the pose. But man, was it sweet to see twice in the Grey Cup your first uh, first two Grey Cup touchdowns. What was that like? Take me back to that night. You know, it was it was amazing. You know, when when we when we won the Grey when we won the West Final, and then we had our first our first practice um, <clears throat> over over in Everest. Um, you know, because it was it was so cold, it was indoors. I, I made it a point to talk to George Cortez and say, George, you know, uh, you know, I, I played in a number of great cups, but I've never scored a touchdown. So let's make it happen. And you know, to you know, to George's point, um, you know, he he designed a couple plays the, that that would that would give me the opportunity. And we we got you know, I think it was Corey Sheets had a had a long run, and we got near the red zone, and and he called the play. It was a corner, it was a corner post, and and you know, something I you know, I obviously I was. I was adept at running for for a number of years, and and I just say you know I'm gonna I'm give it my best my best uh, route and and daring through it, and to to see the ball coming, you know it's almost like it's almost like a movie. You you you, you kind of it kind of everything slows down. Um, you see the ball in the air, you see it in the lights, and that's one of the best feelings for me as a receiver. I'm actually getting chills right now thinking about it. Um, but you know to see the ball coming down, and and I'm like okay, it's going to the back of the end zone. I better. I got to get to it, but I know the stands are there, so I got to kind of slide to, you know, because I don't want to run run full speed into the stand. So, um, to you know, to to see it, to catch it, and and to have an opportunity to do the pose and 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 in front of thousands of fans and millions watching across Canada, uh, and and all the fans of Regina, it was it was something that was it was an amazing feeling. It's almost hard to explain, uh, put it in words because it was it was one of the best feelings I ever had in my life as a, in in my wow. career. My favorite one, though, that was a good one, but my favorite one combined everything that you were good at. Uh, I can't say much about the route. I, I just watched the game, watched the game back. I didn't, you know, so I didn't have the wide, uh, wide view of the the route. But it's on the far sideline near the Hamilton bench. So you used your hands, which you had great hands. You used your balance. Well, you used some strength to break a tackle, and then you used balance to tippy toe down the sidelines like a ballerina into the end zone. Talk about that one. That was silky smooth. That one. Well, the funny thing is that the series before, Darren had thrown a – he called the same route, um, and, and Georgia called the same right route, and Darren threw it to to, uh, to Chris Getzlaff, and he didn't score. And I was like, you got to get in the end zone there. So um, he called the – you know, he called it the next series, and I said, shoot, I have outside outside leverage. The DB has outside leverage, so i got to take an inside release and give him the illusion that I'm going to the post. And so basically it was the, it was the opposite of the first touchdown – I run a corner, uh, you know. I run the, uh, I gave him the post move, and then went to the corner. And once I, once I go got over the top of him, stacked him, I knew that that uh, the ball was coming. And once I, once I, you know, the ball came down, I caught it. I said, okay, I got to get to the end zone. So I gave a little bit of a hesitation move, like I was going to kind of stop, and then I just kind of kept going. He fell off, and I knew I was on the sideline, so I just, you know, just figured, just tried to stay in bounds because in 2011 I caught a corner route. And I tried to tippy toe down the sideline, and I got and I got pushed out of bounds. So, all those things kind of run through your head in in a millisecond, where you know you re- you remember all these things. So I said, you know, I got to get you know got to stay in bounds, got to get in the end zone, and it happened. It, it was it was another great feeling. You know, it's a great uh, that's a great um, 
example for young athletes, young football players, any sport, you're persevering, uh, maybe things aren't going your way, maybe a little dark at times, but at the end of the day, if you persevere, if you're a good teammate, a good person, and you keep grinding, generally more times than not, things are going to go your way. I think that's a great lesson right there. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is I, I actually, on the ride here from, uh, from you know, from the airport, I was just thinking about the exact same thing because, you know, there was there was plenty of times in my career where um, whether it's playing or even now um, as, as an executive, you know, where I wanted things to, you know, to go my way and, and I wanted to have make decisions and wanted, you know, things to, to work out for me. But, and, and at times when they didn't, I just, you know, just kept fighting the good fight and kept, you know, being a positive person, being a good person and being, you know, not only a good leader, but a good follower and, and, and doing what's best for the organization. And now I'm getting opportunities that, that, that most people wouldn't get or most people wouldn't have, have, have stuck, stuck it through to, to get to where I'm at. And it, and it's something that I talk about on, on a daily basis, you know, just, you know, when things are, are dark and things are tough, just keep fighting the fight. Keep doing the right thing. Keep you know putting one foot in in front of the next, and and things usually work out for good people. So uh, let me ask you a couple more quick questions. I know you're busy, and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. So, uh, did you really realize? what you'd accomplish in Saskatchewan, like what it meant to the province. Like we're talking about George Reed who passed away here, a trailblazer and a guy that helped us get our first championship here. The team's only won four, but that was equally memorable. It was on home turf. It was the third in a row. Like you did it in BC, Toronto did it the next year, and then you're back again in Saskatchewan. Did you kind of, did you, did you get a grasp of what that meant to the province? At, at the, at the time I didn't. Um, but I, I, I finally started to realize how how much our, that team and that win meant to the to the province of Saskatchewan, the city of Regina. Um, once we once we won it, once we you know started you know going around to different places and and you know uh, and celebrating with with the people in Saskatchewan and, and bringing the Great Cup and and and, and sharing stories. Um, that's when you really start to get an understanding of of. Um, of what it means and, 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 and how, how special, you know, that team was and that, you know, and, and that, in that time to the, to the organization and, and the province. Um, so it was, it's something that, that, uh, that I'll, I'll remember forever. I wear my, my ring with pride, even though I, you know, I only played one year with the riders. Um, I wear, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, of wearing that ring and putting it on each and every time. Um, so it, 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 it not only means a lot to, to, to you know, people in, in Saskatchewan, but also us as a group because, you know, we, we understand the sacrifice that it took and, and, and what the sacrifice that, that the organization, you know, had, had gone through for, for many years. Folks, last question for you, uh, G-Roy. Folks, Rider Nation, uh, you may or may not have heard this. So, so G-Roy, there was a... There was a uh, Bad stretch there for this team. You had lost four, and it was a, you know, talking to guys, it was a player driven team at that time. Guys like you, Darian, you, you stepped up. But I want you to take me before the West semifinal, because this does not, this doesn't happen if you don't have a conversation with Darian Durant, and he told me this earlier this week, telling him, hey man, use your legs. You got to take this upon yourself when you get the opportunity. And he did exactly that in the fourth quarter, and he credits you with giving him that advice. Just talk about that. Well, yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to get to games early, um, before everybody else gets in the locker room and have, you know, a little bit of time to kind of reflect and also, 
you know, I was I was 37 years old, so I, I needed a little more time to warm up, and Darian was there. <laughs> and, you know, obviously playing playing all the years in B.C., um, and, and understanding, you know, what makes them tick and what, you know, what, what they struggle with. I knew that, you know, when we got in trouble that his legs would, would be a determining factor. And, you know, I just, just told him, I said, you know, if, if you get the opportunity and if we're in trouble and you get the opportunity, just take off running because that's what hurts BC, you know, the way they play defense, that's what hurt BC at the time. Where I knew that 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 can be an X factor that that they you know not not that they didn't prepare for but um, that that was the weakness of the defense and and you know he was very decisive when 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 those opportunities came and, and George put him in great great positions to to be successful at it and you know you know being down being down and and and, and you know him you know it basically opened up for him and he just takes off it was it was. It was great to see that you know he he taken that you know that advice and 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 you know it helped us win the game and go on to the West Final and then ultimately Great Cup. Well, I was happy myself that Superman wore green and white for one year, helping us get a championship. Thanks for your time. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Good luck tomorrow in Toronto. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. That's a G. Roy Simon, formerly of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, now a front office executive with the Edmonton Elks. We'll be back, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Trish uh, Tish Duffy, our health and wellness expert, and then Ken Korak, who's the voice of the Oakland Athletics, breaking down Major League Baseball for us. It's the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brewhouse on 620 CKRM. It's time to pump you up. Get the latest in fitness and lifestyle tips with one of Canada's top fitness trainers, Tish Duffy. This is Train with Tish on the Sports Cage. All right, she's back for another installment of Train with Tish, Tish Duffy. And you can follow her on all her social media outlets. Uh, Train with Tish is the handle. Welcome back. Hey, um, I was sitting on the bus with the Rough Riders quarterback, uh, and he was talking about how he's 37, which is not old, but it's getting older for a football player, and how he's got into more stretching and, and that type of stuff, and how, uh, you know, how with stretching and how focusing on different things and lifting weights in a different way, he doesn't necessarily have to go as heavy to get the results he wants. And I'm a, I'm a 50 year old guy. I consider myself kind of muscly, but I, I always skip the stretching. I mostly always have a, I found it boring, but, uh, you know, just following what you're saying online here, it's not the way to go. You were talking about how you, you if you do only have 45 minutes, stretching is the thing that goes. And I was exactly this, the same way. I'm almost 49, so we're the same age. And I was the exact same up until about a year and a half ago when my body just started kind of, you know, falling apart. My lower back, sciatic issues, my knees, um, just, just to the point where I no longer could uh, lift properly. I could, be, I could barely even walk properly. So I was getting discouraged. Um, and I was not as empathetic to my clients until then as well. You know, a lot of them, um, I train a lot of women. And so I would hear, in my opinion, excuses as to why they weren't, you know, lifting or missing workouts and did these aches and pains. And I, I was never really empathetic to it until I, in fact, started going through it, um, it as well. So I actually hired a therapist slash trainer. And he really set me straight. It was a huge experience and something that really actually made a huge impact on the way I approach 
uh, my training my clients at any age. So this is something that absolutely, if you are fit and active and skipping workouts in your early 20s, it really should be something that is part of the workout. And I cannot stress that enough. If your muscles are not uh, fluid and lucid and and have got some flexibility, uh, eventually it absolutely will come back and haunt you. And I think it, it comes back to haunt people in, in different stages in their life. Uh, we were lucky. It didn't hit us until we were later, uh, like, you know, in our like, approaching 50. Mm. Uh, and for you, it sounds like you're still doing pretty good. But I promise you, um, if you don't, even even if you commit to five to ten minutes, I say I call it meaningful movement first thing in the morning. So instead of incorporating it into the workout, uh, because I'm the same, I I don't have a ton of time. The very first thing I do is just get up, go down, um, and focus on ten minutes of just mindful movement. And I tell you, it has absolutely changed the way I feel. I'm now lifting heavier than ever. And it literally has just been a change in 10 minutes every single day. It's a good way to put it. Uh, one last question for you, okay? And by the way, folks, you can follow more things like this in depth on her uh, social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter at Train with Tish. Um, how do I put this? Okay, so suppose you've never been a big stretcher like me. You're in your 50s. Is, is there a point where it's, you know, where that's really not going to have much of a, a you know, positive uh factor in how you go uh, going forward in the gym? That's a really good question. Um, I think that, you know, if you're not flexible to improve flexibility, it really is a huge mountain to climb. I, I want to be a realist. Um, but I would use my husband as an example. He suffered uh, for with sciatica for almost uh, a full year to the point where I basically had to do everything around the house. It was an awful experience. Um, and he was always, uh, inflexible, uh, never could touch his toes. I could, I, I, you know, as a trainer, I would watch him move and get out of bed and, you know, look like an old man and he's six years younger than me. Um, and uh, same thing with him. You know, I should have learned from watching him go through it a couple of years prior. He, uh, started the stretching. He actually kind of got me going into it a little bit. I wasn't as focused as him. And he has improved his flexibility. Is he, you know, doing back bends uh, <laughs> in the backyard? No. Uh, but he certainly is able to move his body much more usefully uh, since improving. So I, I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it and say, yeah, you're, you can start moving and doing back bends like you did in your when you were 10 years old. But um, if you do commit to even five to 10 minutes, but you have to do it consistently, it has to be done almost every single day. And the reason why I say that is when I miss a day, because I'm human, uh, my body reminds me that I've missed just that mm. one day. Mm. So um, first thing in the morning, mindful movement, I really, really try to encourage people to do just something simple. Um, and uh, reaping the rewards of it has been absolutely incredible for, for everyone that I train, including myself. This is a fun segment, Train with Tish, and very insightful, too. Like I said, check her out on all her social media handles by that same handle, Train with Tish. Thanks, Tish Duffy. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. Have a great day. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. He has done a good job handling different pitches. Smith leads his second in a tie ball game. Valverde deals. And Coco, it's a base hit to right field. Smith to third, up the ball. Bobbled and right by Garcia, and the A's have won it. 
scores from second. A base hit to right field by Coco Chris. Garcia charging from right, but he bobbled the ball. And once he bobbled it, it was a moot point. The A's are going crazy. Back behind the bag at first. Jumping up and down. And the A's have forced a fifth game with a three-run bottom of the ninth inning. And they beat the Tigers by the final of 4-3. to three. Winners at first and... All right. So, um... In my humble opinion, I don't think anybody can argue this. Vin Scully is the best broadcaster in terms of baseball in the history of the game. I, I think that's the one thing in sports you probably can't argue. But I will tell you this. Since uh, Vin Scully has gone to the big baseball field in the sky, God rest his soul, I think this next guy might be the best in the major leagues, Ken Korak from the Oakland Athletics joins us. Now that was, Ken, that was game four ALDS versus the Tigers, but I'm going to put you on the spot. What year was that? That was 11 years ago, Michael, and thanks for the kind words. I would never put myself in the same sentence, though, with Mr. C- Mr. Scully, but you're, you're very kind. I appreciate it. Well, I didn't technically. I paused. There was a there was an audio period there, there and then go. I moved to the next thing. So you weren't in the same <laughs> sentence, but you're right at the top now. And that was so, appropriate. Uh, that was appropriate on your part. <laughs> uh, Ken, uh, let's talk about what happened in the uh, first round here. They actually all went the minimum amount of games. Let's start in Canada here with the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think it's appropriate we have you on here today because uh, every, you know a lot of people have watched the great sports movie Moneyball, Billy Bean, analytics, and all that type of thing. I I think there's a place for analytics in the game, but I tweeted out right away and said on the show yesterday, sports nerds ruining sports. As I mean, why do you pull out Jose Barrios when he's dealing against his old team like that? Yeah, it's a great question. I know John Schneider had to answer those questions after the game yesterday, and you're right. I mean, there's a place for analytics for sure, but there's also a place for your eyes and what you're seeing and how a certain pitcher is, is throwing. And Barrios, I thought, was great. So, uh, you know, they had a plan going in, and they stuck to it. But, you know, maybe you think about that plan a little bit later in the ball game. Yeah. Ken, were you surprised that the uh, Twins won the series or won it so quickly? I thought that I had picked the Jays to win in three uh, because the Twins were notorious for stubbing their toe in the playoffs. Were you surprised at all at that series? Well, I really like the Jays ball club. I thought they had a chance to advance pretty far in the postseason, but we had just seen the Twins. So on the A's last trip, it was actually the, the next to last series the A's played was in Minneapolis, and I thought the Twins looked great. And then my thinking was if they could get Correa back, and that happened, if they could get Royce Lewis back, and that happened, they'd really be tough. So fundamentally, they're really good. And once they won the first game, they had Sonny Gray and then a great bullpen in the second game. And, I mean, the Blue Jays, there's a lot of pressure when you lose the first game. Now they get a couple of guys on base in the first inning, second inning yesterday, and they didn't come through with runners in scoring positions. So... Yeah, I wouldn't have made the move to take the Rios out for sure, but I think also part of it would have to uh, go to the hitters for the Jays and, and just not coming through with runners in scoring position. Well, I'm a, a long time since the Tony Gwynn Day San Diego Padres fan. I told you that last time, and uh, I'm glad Bob Melvin's staying in San Diego. I think he's a great manager. Another guy in that same realm i think and maybe even a step ahead because he's won bruce bochi man did he do a great job with the texas rangers they hammered the tampa rays 
Yeah, that was interesting, too, having to go on the road because up until the last day of the season, it looked like Texas had a great shot to win the division. Then you'd obviously avoid having to play in the wild card series. But uh, Bochy is somebody who adds credibility the moment he walks in the clubhouse. He adds legitimacy. He has incredible cachet. So I think, and I don't, you can't quantify it, obviously, Michael, but I thought, I thought that the moment he walked into their clubhouse, he was worth maybe six or eight or ten wins for their ball club this year. Do you think that that um, that managers more so than any other quote unquote coach in any of the other major sports NBA, NFL, NHL? Do you think they have the most bearing on wins and losses? Like you just said, worth about six or seven wins? Because I really think they do with those in-game decisions. I, I think in the case of Bochi, and it was you know to me it's not so much the in-game decisions; it's just that. He engenders so much respect in the three world championships with the Giants. So he, he just brings a great deal of credibility to the clubhouse. And I think uh, players want to play for him. Uh, you know, you can debate the in-game decisions and how much the managers are fully responsible for that, too, though, Michael. Like, look at what happened with Barrios yesterday with the Jays. So uh, front offices have a huge influence now. And how about the Arizona Diamondbacks? I don't know if anybody saw this coming. Well, I didn't, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert in the baseball world like you. What do you make of the Diamondbacks? Uh, not only the season they had, but going into Milwaukee on the road and uh, and winning two games like that. Yeah, pretty amazing for them. They're extremely athletic. I think they're the kind of team that's built to win in the postseason. And it's interesting to me that you've got teams in the West playing each other, Arizona and the Dodgers, and teams in the East playing each other with Atlanta and Philadelphia. And there are people that have kind of called for a reseeding after the wild card round, but, uh, you know, the Phillies were the top wild card team, and now they play the team that had the best record in the league, and I know some people think that's not fair. Yeah. Hey, I really like the Phillies. How about yourself in terms of, uh, I think they oh. can, uh, they'll be a very big challenge for Atlanta. I mean, they're really good. The only reason they didn't win their division was because Atlanta had a, an incredibly special team, so... That should be a great series for sure. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like these smaller market teams, uh, the, the uh, Baltimore Orioles. How, how realistic do you think it is that they get to a, a world championship? That's a great question. I don't really know, honestly. They had a phenomenal season, 100 wins. They have a great young ball club, a great young core, and even uh, prospects on the way that will be joining their club in the next year or two. But... Um, it'll be interesting to see because they ran away with that division. Uh, they didn't have to play any like do or die games down the stretch to win their division. Like the Rangers did and especially wound up as the wild card, as we said. So they're certainly capable of it. I don't know if they have a dominant starter. The postseason can be that time for a dominant starting pitcher or two. I'm not sure they have that, but I wouldn't put it past them. They're, they're really good. Ken, I got to ask you. So you 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 call 162 games. You're at the ballpark. Your team's not in the playoffs. Do you kind of only watch the playoffs casually now because you you just need a break from baseball, or are you locked in till the postseason's done? No, I really enjoy it. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, if I've got something to do, I have to admit I was on the golf course uh, during part of the the first game yesterday, and I caught like the last three or four innings, and then switched to the other games. So. Um, there are other things that maybe might get in the way, like 18 holes. But, no, I love watching the postseason. I'll be watching uh, tomorrow night or Saturday, right? We have to wait till Saturday. But, yeah, I'll be watching for sure. 
Ken, it's great talking to you, man. Uh, enjoy the offseason and the rest of the baseball playoffs. Maybe we'll check up with you down the road when we get closer to the final. Anytime, Michael. I'm always available. Thanks for having me. That's Ken Korak, the great voice of the Oakland Athletics. We'll be back with more Rough Rider Talk. Taking your text to at 936-6262. Give me your favorite memories of the 2013 season as we're celebrating that team tonight at the Plaza here at the Conexus Art Center. This is the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Conexus Art Center, our show, the uh, Sports Cage Show, Plaza of Honor Edition. It's brought to you here today by the Canadian Brew House, all the sports under one roof. Great menu, great uh, drink selections, and uh, they've got three locations, two in Regina, one in uh, Grasslands, one in uh, East Regina, and then one in Moose Jaw. And, uh, like I said, NHL firing up in five nights. We've got Major League Baseball on the weekend, CFL football. You name it, all the sports under one roof. All our texts come to you via the Capital Auto Group text line at 936-6262. And all our guests are via the Western Pizza Hotline. So many sponsors to get to. It's like a rider broadcast. We can't help it, Zinger, for popular. I mean, we can't help it that we're popular. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think? We Should we play this? Uh, pick the score right now? Let's play some pick the score. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. You call in 936-6262. There's two things you need to accomplish. You need to have not one on this station for 90 days. That's three months. The Coles noted for you. And you just need to pick the score. And it doesn't have to be the Riders winning, although if there ever was a win-one-for-the-Gipper kind of game, it's this game here against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Legends Night 2013 team honoring George Reed all over the place. The, the Craig Dickinson should just have to swing the door open, and boom, the team is motivated to win. We will find out on Saturday. But uh, what you do is, can't have won for 90 days, you call in 936 936- 62-62. Pick the score. If you're the closest to the score or right on the money without going over, you will have a $200 gift card from Sastel, and then we will throw your name into a draw at the end of the year for a sweet experience. You and three others will go watch a Rough Rider game in 2024. And while we uh, load up the phone banks, and they're already loaded up, we are going to um, hear from... Kean Schaefer Baker's been uh, picking up his game since coming back mid-season after that uh, hip surgery. We didn't get the win, so that's the only thing that hits my mind. You know, that's the only goal we have after every single week, which is the same goal we got this week, is just to be one and zero. So if we fall short of that, then we didn't complete our job. Yeah, most definitely. You know, every week I just been feeling better and better, and just feeling more together with this group. You know, they're always pushing me to get better, and I'm going to continue to push them to get better. So. I think we're just hitting our stride now, and so amazing. It's a blessing to have them here, just to commemorate them and all the hard work, and, you know, the legacy they left behind for us to continue to build upon. So we're excited to honor them, give their, them their recognition, and now it's our turn to go get one. And just want to get your thoughts about George Reed from here to the Yeah, very hard time. You know, during these times, we just got to keep the Reed family in our thoughts and prayers. Again, he was a trailblazer for... Not just the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but the entire CFL. So we give all of our respects and credit to him for showing exactly what excellence is. And, you know, we continue to strive for that. Yeah, you, you could definitely feel it in the air. You know, if, if guys didn't have something to play for before, they definitely got something to play for now. 
take it one plate at a time, one step at a time. That's that's all we're guaranteed. That's all we're promised. You know, just one step at a time, smiling the whole way and just giving thanks. I, I'm a big emotion guy. I, I thrive off emotions and energy. So you harness all that and just, yeah, we're, we're always looking for ways just to get 1% better each day. You know, I think that's a way that helps each and every single one of us get 1% better. Yeah, just playing our football, you know. It doesn't matter who's lined up in front of us. We just got to go out there and do our jobs, and that's just playing fast, physical, explosive, and smart football. The biggest thing ever. It's a must-win for us. Two games ago, Kean Schaefer-Baker had seven catches for 76 yards and a touchdown last week in BC at over 100 yards receiving. Had a touchdown denied on it. One of those, like you get in hockey, the trip and the dive, it was offensive and defensive pass interference at the same time. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but he got uh, robbed of his, I think, third touchdown of the season there. Hopefully he can uh, get one or two against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Okay, let's go to the... Uh, Hotline, the Western Pizza Hotline. I think we have a contestant. I think it's Dave Allen, if I'm not mistaken, from Regina. Dave, how are you? Great. Dave, do you have a favorite memory of 2013 when the Riders won the Grey Cup? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was uh, working hard then. I'm retired now, and uh, it was a good year in many ways. Did you go to the game? I don't think I did, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dave, who do you got... In the uh, game on Saturday, what's your score? 27-21 Riders. Okay, good. They end the four-game slide and they take a step closer to the playoffs. Dave, thanks. If the Riders do win 27-20, to 20, uh, you will be, uh, well, you'll be uh, getting a, a $200 gift card to SaskTel. That's if, now here's the thing. If somebody else picked 27-20, to because uh, other um, shows do this, we may throw your name in the, the draw for it, but you'll be in the running for a $200 gift card, and then you'll also then after that be in the running for a Rough Rider Suite experience next year, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. But he does have tickets to the Rough Riders and the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats game. Yeah, with a win, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders can officially eliminate the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Edmonton Elks from playoff contention. The Elks are taking on the Toronto Argonauts tomorrow, uh, the first uh, game of the doubleheader on Friday Night Football. And actually, it is a... Um, Interesting thing here, they're they're dressing 10 Canadians, starting Canadians, or the Toronto Argonauts in that game. Obviously, they're getting people some playing time as they uh, just kind of, I don't want to say go through the motions, but they're just waiting for the playoffs to start because the 12-2 and Boatmen, best team in the league, have a first-round bye and will meet in the East Final either against the... Um, Hamilton Tiger Cats and or Montreal Alouettes. Tiger Cats have a lot to play for coming here. Home field advantage and of course that Grey Cup in Hamilton the second time in three years. Here's a quick uh, peek at the Rough Rider injury report. Jackson Ford, the rookie defensive back, uh, had an illness today. Peter Godber, center illness, out with an illness. Godfrey Onyeka, illness as well. Uh, Demarcus Christmas with a knee. Deontay Williams, with a hamstring injury. Same thing for Riders receiver Tevin Jones. Jake Winicky, a healthy scratch. Jamal Morrow with the knee injury. Uh, Anthony Lanier II, a hip injury. Tremaine Washington, a finger injury. Derek Moncrief, a shoulder injury. Jeremy Clark has um, 
a knee, and he will not play in the game, so he's officially ruled out. Frankie Hickson has an illness. He's uh, questionable right now, as is Brandon Council with the knee. Uh, Eric Lofton had an illness. Uh, Brian Cox Jr. is back practicing with the team, but he remains out with that knee injury. And Joan Breskison also an illness. So Zinger, one, two, three... Four, five, six. Six guys with an illness. And I know the Pats were talking about something ripping through their dressing room, too. It is cold and flu season. Hopefully that doesn't affect the riders and derail what we're hoping is going to be the icing on the cake of a great weekend here. When we come back after our 4 o'clock news with Corey Atkinson, we are going to talk with Arash Madani, a post-mortem on the Blue Jays season. And uh, we're also going to talk little Kerry Joseph, who turned 50 years old. Uh, yesterday. This is the Sports Cage live from the site of the 2013 uh, celebration of the Plaza of Honor inductees going in this year, the uh, championship team, the Conexus Art Center. Uh, and you're listening to the Voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arash Madani. Brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give Brian Golly a call. 306-546-2533. Coming to you live from the Conexus Art Center for the Plaza of Honor. Uh, quickly out to the Western Pizza Hotline. Arash Madani joining us. Arash, what do you remember about the 2013 Rough Rider Grey Cup? I remember Darian Durant two nights before the game coming to Ryderville. I think it was Mullinder, actually, who got him out there. Luke got him out there. And he came out to Ryderville, and the place went nuts. And that's when I was like, oh, man. The Ticats, the Ticats aren't, I don't know if they're going to be really understanding what they're in for on Sunday. And it has nothing to do with football. Yeah, I almost feel like it's going to be that way again here, although it's not an all-star team for the Rough Riders like it was back then. But uh, as I was saying, if there's one win-one-for-the-Gipper kind of game, this is it. George Reed passes away. He's the legend of all legends, and now the 2013, the last championship team, is in here. I mean, Craig Dickinson doesn't need a pregame speech. He doesn't. He doesn't. Um, and... And, Bossy, I think it comes down to this game is, I mean, they, first of all, they've got to win it. They're the better team. But, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this in, in the coming weeks. We're about to find out if the Riders are any good. More than anything else. You know? We are. Yeah, we are. Hey, uh, we thought the Toronto Blue Jays would be way better than they are, but... Uh, uh, well, let's just start there. I said this. Listen, there we had Ken Korak on, the the outstanding voice of the Oakland Athletics, where analytics started. The Oakland Athletics with Billy Bean and Moneyball. Um, uh, sports nerds ruin sports, man. They ruin sports. Yeah, yeah, but let me time. stop you there, Balti. I, I don't look at this as an analytics thing. I looked at this as this is a battle over control. Like, what is the field manager 
What power does John John Schneider? That game was predetermined by John Schneider's bosses before that game even of what they were going to do with their pitching plan. What's not taken into consideration anymore is the eye test. What's not taken into consideration anymore is what's happening in front of you with the athlete on the mound. Jose Barrios, you have to take into account the heartbeat. He goes back to Minnesota, who traded him away from the Twins, and he didn't want to leave the Twin Cities. And here he is in the playoffs, where you didn't give him a chance to pitch in the postseason last year. And he was exquisite. But... But the day before, the day of, the afternoon of, like it's WWE, the script was written of how this game was going to go. It's not, quote-unquote, just analytics. Analytics are an extra mathematical tool. This is an extension of a front office, and this is, this is what's happening in baseball now, is they're telling the manager and athletes how this is going to unfold before it even happens. Yeah, but okay, so but here's the thing. I agree with you to an extent, but you're the manager. The buck stops with you. If you don't stop it, then you are culpable too, and you know what? You should take the fall as well. I disagree. Bolsey, you have a boss and I have a boss, and my boss tells me you have to do this. And we did we have a conversation, we may disagree, but at the end of it, if your boss tells you that this is how it's going to go, you have to listen to him, or he's going to fire you, right? Yeah, but aren't you go? Aren't you going down anyway? Aren't you going to? Aren't they going to point every? Nobody, nobody's pointing fingers at a sports nerd with his spreadsheets in the back office or in the dugout or somewhere around there. They're pointing at John Schneider. Why are you doing this, you bozo? So you're going down not anyway. Those, not those who are making the decisions. Not those who are informed enough. I think the social media crowd, the fan crowd is, and this is why I'm trying to let people know, and I'm not defending John Schneider here. I'm just letting you know that there are different people pulling the strings on the last line of defense here, and there's nothing Schneider can do about it. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not a baseball expert. You may or may not agree with this, but I would deal Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero. You cannot win with those two. They're selfish. They're clueless. You're not winning with those two. So, so here's here's. Uh, I, I just want to go back and finish this this take. It's third and one and a half, and you're not quite at midfield. And the head coach says punt. The head coach says punt. What's the player going to do? Change the call to the Lions scrimmage and audible and and quarterback sneak it? No, you're going to punt. It's you're not that says. dissimilar. It. Yeah, it's not that dissimilar. Um, on, on the Bowen Vladdy front balls, I'll just say this. Those are two dudes who, in these two games, were not professional enough to win a postseason series. Bad at-bats, bad base running, getting picked off at second base. It was careless, and it was sloppy, and it was unprofessional. Yeah, like what is Vladdy doing? You can't go anywhere at second base. You can't go anywhere. You can't advance. What are you doing? It is inexplicable. It is ill-prepared. It is 
you know, they taught, they spent from spring training onwards, just, you know, they're buzzwords, right? Attention to detail, attention to detail, attention to detail. Well, what was missing there? Yeah, well, same thing with Bichette rounding and, and blowing the stop sign. We talked about that. Okay, so let's talk about this, because uh, much like Ryder fans want a pound of flesh sometimes, uh, Blue Jays fans want a pound of flesh. Will they get that pound, do you think? I don't. I really don't. I think this is a front office that can't see anything beyond the reflection in the mirror. They're going to make somebody the fall guy, probably the hitting coach. And John Schneider is going to return, and Ross Atkins is going to return, and Mark Shapiro is going to return. In my heart of hearts, Balsy, I think that that front office is like, well, we made the playoffs. We won 89 games. We'll go get them next year. I, I, I just start to wonder sometimes, does this front office really want to win, or are they just content getting in? every year so Phillies Diamondbacks NLCS man um, the Philly Atlanta series it's a shame it's not the championship series to me that that could be a great CS Um, it's hard to bet against Atlanta but I'll tell you this about the Diamondbacks Let's look back at it. They traded Lourdes Gurriel and Gabby Moreno this offseason for Dalton Varsho. Think they want that one back? Yeah. Yeah. How, how about how about that? The Jays the Jays got rid of Teoscar Hernandez and L'Oreal Gertis. Um, yeah. what, what 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 in the same in the same what were they doing? And then so they get rid of Oscar, and they get rid of Lourdes, and Ballsy, then what they do is they end up scoring one run in 18 innings in the playoffs. Lourdes Gurriel what? and Teoscar Hernandez would look good. Hey, so the other one, uh, it, does Baltimore have the pitching to get by Texas? I think Bruce Bochy is an unbelievable manager. I got, I got Texas and Houston in the uh, ALCS. I agree with you. I think Texas is the most dangerous team in baseball right now. They have vets. They have dudes who have been there before. Corey Seager, they paid him a pile of money in the middle of the infield, won a championship with the Dodgers. You have Max Scherzer now that you went and got at the deadline, World Series champion with the Washington Nationals. You have a high payroll. You have a bunch of dudes who know what it takes to win. You have a vet like Marcus Simeon right there next to Seager in the middle of that Rangers infield. Sometimes there are teams that just about get in and then look out. And to me, the Texas Rangers are that. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, Kerry Joseph just turned 50 yesterday. I know you have a relationship with him. He's a friend of mine as well. We had him on the sports cage last week. He's done a great job with Geno Smith. He didn't say he wouldn't. I, I want to ask you this. In the scenario where Kerry Joseph comes back to the Canadian Football League as a head coach, or do you think he's just going to be locked in? Because, hey, we heard from Henry Burris this week, too. He said it is a tough nut to crack to get into the coaching buddy-buddy circles in the NFL. And once you're in, you stay in as long as you can to, to keep on that career trajectory. And I hate to say this, Ballsy, but I think it's true. 
and it's going to take a while for the stench to wear off, that the Mark Trestman move, Mark Trestman, and look, it's not just on Trestman. Everyone's gone to Chicago and failed. Matt Eberflus is the last, you know, Matt Nagy before Eberflus, on and on we can go. But there is a stigma that comes with the CFL south of the border. Fair, unfair, that's what it is. And because Trestman, even with all his success in Montreal, and then obviously Toronto when he came back, went down there and was a flop, I don't see a CFL coach getting headhunted by an NFL team. So because of that, I see Carey just sticking on that NFL trajectory. If they have another successful season, maybe he goes from assistant quarterback coach to a quarterback coach. He's on that, you know, he's on that climb. And he's in that Pete Carroll tree, and Seattle's pretty good. So I don't think there's – I don't see the move coming anytime soon for him based on the situation he's in. Who do you got tonight, Chicago or Washington? Yuck. Yuck. Uh, Washington's got the better defense. Washington's got the better team. Um, short week, all those things. I, I was impressed with Washington last week. I watched a lot of that game against Philly. Um, it's amazing what happens when it's a breath of fresh air that comes through an organization. And, you know, they talk about changing a culture, just getting rid of Daniel Snyder, the worst owner in pro sports, did that there. I think it's made a big impact. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Always good, Bobby. Have fun tonight. Yeah, I will. That's Arash Madani, uh, Sportsnet ace reporter. He joins us every week, twice uh, twice a week. It is Coast to Coast for Smart Investing Solutions. We'll be back with your clutch performance, and we'll hear from Mitch Picton, too. This is the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House from the Connexus Art Centre on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Honorable Senators, I rise today to pay tribute to a true legend, George Reed. This Canadian Football League great passed away Sunday in Regina, one day shy of his 84th birthday. George Reed was beloved throughout Saskatchewan and Ryder Nation, which extends all across Canada and far beyond. Reed excelled in his 13 years with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, tearing up the field with 16,116 rushing yards and 137 touchdowns. George Reed and his perennial and also legendary on-field partner, quarterback Ron Lancaster, led the Riders to our very first Grey Cup championship in 1966 and made the Green Machine a top-level rival for the next decade. In 1973, George Reed became pro football's all-time leading rusher, passing Jim Brown's record in the NFL. And Reed achieved all of this despite constant and often major injuries. During one season, he played six games with a broken leg. He embodied Saskatchewan tough. George Reed was also a strong leader for all CFL players off the field, serving a long and accomplished tenure as president of the CFL Players Association. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders and our devoted Rider Nation were quick to honour George Reed after his retirement in 1976. That very fall, Reed's iconic number 34 was retired. He was inducted into the Riders Plaza of Honour in its very first year of existence. That's Conservative Senator Denise Batters, who this morning in the Senate chamber rose to honour George Reed. And for that, we make Denise Batters and George Reed our clutch performers of the day. 
for Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call, 781-1077. 21 carries for 103 yards by George Reed. First down, Saskatchewan. The Ottawa 31. Reed again gets the call. He may be gone. Touchdown. Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking Riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. We're ready to celebrate some legends. The 2013 Grey Cup winning team, the last time the Rough Riders won a championship, November 24th, 45-23. By the way, this is not a uh, open to the general public event. They wanted me to mention that, the... People have already purchased their tickets, so uh, they will have an autograph signing uh, party in the park before the game on Saturday. So bring your memorabilia down there, and members of that team will be there to sign what you need them or want them to sign. Probably take some pictures, too. Um, It's going to be a great weekend. And speaking of legends, it was today, 58 years ago, two hockey legends were born. Patrick Roy was born. And Mario Lemux. Mario Lemieux. Also, 58. Wouldn't it be cool, Zinger, if they were, like, born around the same time and across the hallway from each other? Same hospital, same floor, across the hallway, <laughs> same doctor. Um, Within, like, an hour of each other or something, yeah, right? Yeah, That'd be something cool. like that. That'd be cool. Man, two absolute legends. Maybe the greatest goalie of all time and uh, one of the top players of all time. Top five players, for sure, of all time. Uh, Mario Lemieux. All right. Uh, this guy is a uh, Regina kid. Laboldus High School. Regina Ram. Now plays for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders in a support role mostly. He has a, a touchdown this year. And uh, we had a chance to catch up this week with Mitch Picton. Yeah, anytime I can be on the field uh, trying to contribute to uh, to get some wins is uh, is good for me. We just got to get back to uh, to playing our game, um, executing at a very high level, and, uh, and the wins are going to start to come. My hearing aid was turned off. Did, did I hear correctly, sort of, that you were at the 2013 Great Cup? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was at that game. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What was? Where did you sit? And what? Uh, what time? <laughs> actually, I was actually working uh, for the Rams. We do the 50-50 with the Rams. So I was actually down on the field back in the day when uh, we used to do that at Old Mosaic. So I was actually. Uh, kind of up and down the sidelines. How Best were you? At, house. Yeah. <laughs> How effective a 50-50 seller were you that day? Um, I remember I was with my brother. Uh, I don't think we sold a whole lot of tickets. Uh, I think we were on the sidelines and watched most of the game. <laughs> <laughs> now it can be told. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How cool is it to kind of have come full circle in that respect, and now you're playing for a team that's honoring that team? It's a big deal. Um, you know, that's what we're trying to uh, what we're trying to do here now with this team. So, uh, yeah, just looking up to those guys and, and seeing the things that they were able to accomplish is uh, is in- inspiring for us and uh, something for us to strive for. Was there a moment from that game? Um, I remember when G-Roy Simon caught a touchdown. Um, uh, we were kind of standing right there. I think he caught a corner ball in the end zone and uh, was kind of standing in the end zone really really close to him. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. So 10 years later, you're wearing that number 81. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't even didn't even put that together. But, um, yeah, it's cool. There's a lot of great riders that have, uh, and receivers that have come before us in this group. So, um, yeah, what they were able to accomplish, again, is inspiring and it's something that we're going to strive for. Yeah, you got the 81s, Elgard. You got... Uh... Giroy Simon, who we had on earlier, and of course, um, 
Mitch Picton, who we just heard from. All right, uh, while we have a second here, uh, looks like uh, uh, T.J. Brunson continues to get snaps at the Will linebacker spot in place of Micah Tights. Nothing official yet, but uh, he's looked good when he's played out there, and uh, we had a chance to catch up to T.J. Brunson. Well, I guess, T.J., the first off start of it, just uh, how are you feeling right now, both, I guess, physically? I don't feel great. I'm uh, For as deep as we are in the season and everything, I feel like uh done a good job of taking care of my body and preparing myself week in and week out so I feel good I'm ready to go just going back to that game against BC you know there seemed like a lot of pent-up uh, lead up to that game you know there was a lot of anticipation that game and it seemed like it really led like the explosion really led up with that special teams hit that you let up against the Lions uh, did you guys kind of had a mindset going into that game you know especially being your first one that you really wanted to make an impact yeah um, I just wanted to you know put my brand of play on the field and for, you know, these guys here at Sask and everything, just wanted them to know what type of ball player they had. And that was my opportunity and first chance to get on the field after, you know, not playing for two seasons. So it was just like, I mean, it was just a perfect moment for everything to mesh together. And that was the result. <laughs> What's kind of what's kind of your mindset when you're running down on kickoff cover as opposed to maybe running down a tackler when you're playing linebacker? Oh, man, it's see ball, get ball. Like, really, um, I'm not looking to – I'm really just looking to do my job and, you know, if the play is there, make it. But other than that, it's really just, you know, see the ball, get the ball, play, play my, my part, do my part, and, you know, just be in position to make plays. How tough are the, I guess, you know, the months from, like, May to August, you know, waiting for your chance uh, before you got the chance to go on the field for the Riders? Just how, like, mentally, like, how was it, like, was it mentally straining at all or patience or anything? I, I had to stay patient for sure, but, I mean, just coming from not doing anything structured to an organized uh, situation with playing football and everything again, it was it was a bit of an adjustment period in the beginning with training cap and everything. But, you know, after that, I felt fine. Like, I was, it was just like an everyday type of thing again. I guess looking to looking at a Canadian like a CFL defense compared to maybe like an NFL offense. Is it like a CFL offense kind of like a nickel defense? You know, in the sense, but there's only two linebackers with that extra DB. Is that is that very similar? Yeah, kind of similar. Um, I guess the biggest thing is just understanding where you are, who's your well, where your help is, and you know, just the spacing on the field and understanding how to attack it or how we'll be attacked as a defense. But those were just a few of the things that uh, mentally were kind of the hurdles to adjust to. But I feel pretty comfortable where I'm at now. So, Watching some highlight tapes of yours back, whether it was you know, in South Carolina, it seems like you always had a knack for making a big hit. Is that something you always carry in the back of your head when you're playing? Yeah, um, that was something just coming up uh, through Pop Warner and eventually middle school and everything. It was just always about being physical and uh, stopping the runner whenever you make contact. So that's a big thing that I press just in my term of play and uh, just how I, how I like to attack tackling in, in general. So, All right, that is T.J. Brunson with Blaine Weiland. And good job by our man back there, um, Sean Kleisinger. Here's the thing, uh, and Sean is right on the money. Um, I'm busy with other things. He's like, I don't know. I don't like these locker room interviews because – so a couple of days out of the week, we are uh, our reporters, and I'm not there a lot of the days because I'm busy back 
doing other things with the show just to take you behind the curtain. So I send Blaine Wyland down there to do the interviews. And a couple of days out of the week, we get to go into the locker room. Well, the locker room is the locker room. And the boys, they don't, they're, they're talking like they're in a locker room. It's their, it's kind of their safe haven. I don't, I personally don't like going in teams' locker rooms. I've never liked that. I've never liked it when people came in my locker room when I played. I don't like it. Stepping on logos or any of that stuff. I'm very old school that way. So I, I don't really like going to do that. In fact, I've only been in the Ryder locker room twice in my life in this new stadium. So, uh, And once was to get stitches when I fell. So, yeah, good job, Sean. Uh, anytime we have a locker room interview going forward, we're going to put a little disclaimer by it that we're not held responsible for what's said in the back. Those aren't our words. We'll take a break and be back with our Play Now Saskatchewan.com picks with Ben Whiting. You're listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. And back with your sports ticker, it's 435, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. So the the divisional round series, it's set, and we will play ball on Saturday. The Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles, Minnesota Twins versus the Houston Astros. In the National League, it's the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. And then the last matchup is the Arrow. Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. So me, myself, personally, I am cheering for the Atlanta Braves because, well, growing up as a kid, you had Channel 38, the TBS Superstation. And outside of the Blue Jays, the Atlanta Braves was like the only team that I had access to watching. So they always have a soft spot in my heart. Go Atlanta. Bring it home. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Spread right fakes here. Play pass 16 counters. ZD bank. Pull back west right. Zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick swing left. On one. Right. Well, tonight on the big stage at the Connexus Art Center, where we're broadcasting live from, the 2013 championship team will be inducted into the Ryder Plaza of Honor. Back on November 24th, 2013, in a home Grey Cup, the Rough Riders smoke Henry Burris and the Hamilton Tiger Cats 45. 23. Burris told me earlier this week he knew his team was in trouble the minute Corey Sheets picked Darian Durant's fumble out of midair and ran it down the sidelines to set up the game's first touchdown. Durant, who's going to be here tonight, agreed. Whenever you have plays like that, um, go your way. That you, you know, there's a saying that the football gods are on your side that night, and uh, they definitely were. Once that happened, you know, we went down and scored. We got Zero his first touchdown in the Grey Cup. You know, when things like that happen, you kind of feel like, okay, this is it. This is it. And, uh, you know, we went on a roll after that, and it was over. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. The show is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with our friend Ben Whiting from PlayNow.com, the only legalized 
online betting site in Saskatchewan. And Ben, thanks for joining me. You know the football world well. You're coaching the U of S Huskies. Played there. Played three years in the CFL. Let's get to the NFL first, though. Thursday night football, a real ugly one. The Bears and the Washington Commanders. Uh, Justin Fields looked uh, half decent against a porous Denver defense, but uh, they blew that game. What do you got for Fields for me tonight? Yeah, for sure. Like you said, kind of a forgettable Thursday nighter for us right now, but it's, uh, you know, we get the chance to watch football, so I'm not complaining. Uh, Justin Fields, I'm pretty up to date on his game. Uh, he's my fantasy football quarterback, so <laughs> you can pretty much guess how poorly I'm playing. Um, but I got a pretty interesting line for us. We got Justin Fields to throw over 25 passes throughout the entire game at 1.33 odds. I looked at the data. I did the math, and through four games, he's thrown at least 22 passes throughout four games, oftentimes a little bit higher. There's one game where he threw 22, um, but he hits 30 quite frequently too. So I'm taking the over on 25 passes throughout the game at 1.33 odds for Mr. Fields. There are two games of the weekend. One is here in Saskatchewan because everything's surrounding it. The other's in the standings in the West. I really believe if the BC Lions want to get to a Grey Cup, they got to have a West final in their stadium. You don't want to go to Winnipeg. It's cold. They don't run the football particularly well. And Winnipeg gets all the calls in Winnipeg. I don't care what anybody says. So you want to win this game at BC Place tomorrow. Uh, and I think it could be a high-scoring game. Two good quarterbacks and the two best receiving cores in the league. I think BC's is a smidgen better than Winnipeg's. I actually think BC's secondary is better than Winnipeg's without Demario Houston, so that could be a difference maker too. But what do you got in terms of, do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, two of the heavyweights in the West and 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 that two-province over difference definitely does make a difference when you're going from BC to Winnipeg in playoffs. So I'm sure the BC Lions want to stay at home. Uh, and like you said, two high-powered offenses. Right now, the over/under for the game is at fifty-one point zero. And like you said, with these offenses, I think there's going to be a lot of scoring. There's two great quarterbacks, two great receiving cores, two high-powered offenses. I'm taking the over fifty-one points at one point nine odds. If you had to bet a money line, like just pick a winner straight out, who would you pick in this game? This game. I'm going to roll with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's my gut feeling. Uh, they've been to the dance more than a couple times. They've, they've got the hot end. They've been good the past couple of years. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, what history has been telling me, and I'm going with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And but honestly, this game's a coin flip. Well, BC, too, doesn't protect the ball particularly well. They're real bad in the turnover uh, category. In fact, I think their second worst, uh, Saskatchewan's the worst team. Before we get to the Ryder game, let's go Ottawa and Montreal, the traditional Canadian Thanksgiving Day Monday matchup. Uh, what do you got for this one? Yeah, so this is a pretty basic one for me. Um, and just, I got to throw these in every now and then. Hmm. Uh, just listening to this play now picks throughout the, the season, you understand that I hate Montreal. Um, so I'm going, I'm rolling Ottawa Red Blacks money line, 3.15 odds. I think uh, Montreal is going to choke some way, somehow. And I, you know, as soon as you think somebody's, you know, laying down dormant, they're dying, uh, they'll show me signs of life. So I'm believing in you, Ottawa. I want that. I want that win, Ottawa. No spread, no total, no over/under. Just a money line. Ottawa Red Blacks, three point one five odds. 
That's what I'm taking. What do you make last week on that one-yard punt by Antwi, the former Calgary Dino, and and recovering that one-yard onside kick? I tell you what, as a, a funny story, actually, I was drafted in the same class as Antwi, and uh, it's crazy how our life paths have changed. Here I am talking on the radio, and he's out playing professional football. Anyways, as a special teams kind of background and, and the knick-knack plays, I, I'm a gigantic fan of that exploiting the rules to get a first down. I think that's awesome. Uh, somebody somewhere in Montreal or whoever was doing a ton of research and they went through the rule book with a fine-tooth comb, uh, and I think that's awesome. You can probably expect that rule to be changed uh, by next season, though. So yeah. let the good times roll while they last. I agree. Uh, I, I give kudos to Montreal and maybe Dave Jackson, the former Thunder coach and Regina guy who grew up here, went to F.W. Johnson's assistant special teams coach. Maybe he had a hand in that, but good on Montreal. Let me, or, uh, yeah, Montreal, but let me ask you this. You, you, you are down on the Alouettes. Did, did just being there give you a sour taste in your mouth for professional football? I, I don't want to open up old wounds, but I, I think it's worth going down. On that uh, avenue? No, for sure. I, I just know I. It was the whole situation in which they let me go. It was very. I, I felt unprofessional. But hey, I, that that's loser talk. I'm not going to dwell on it. I am where I am now, and they're they're obviously doing what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they, I just you know left with a sour taste in my mouth. So. The way I take it out on them, Mike, is I bet on the Red Blacks uh, this coming Monday on Thanksgiving. I love the fact. I really got them there. I love the fact you got that competitive spirit, Ben Whiting. Okay, lastly, we left this one uh, till the end. Uh, if there ever was a win one for the Gipper game, this is it for the Rough Riders. They got to right the ship. They're on home turf where they're generally better. I know they lost their last game against Edmonton, but George Reed passes away, and on Legends Night, he's the legend of all legend uh, legends, not to mention the 2013 Grey Cup Championship team is honored. Uh, Craig Dickinson doesn't need a speech. He needs, he needs to just open the dressing room door and let him go. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, Right now, the Rough Riders, they're, they're playing for their playoff lives. Uh, all the other stuff that's happened that's exterior to the team. I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing pro football. You shouldn't need to get motivated for games. Go out there, do your job. Uh, I'm taking the spread in this one in favor of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, minus 3.5 uh, is the spread with 1.95 odds, meaning, for those of you who aren't savvy to gambling, I'm asking that the Rough Riders win by more than four points. Yeah. Uh, and I'm picking this one because I know Hamilton's, they've, they've already clinched that playoff spot. I'm sure they're getting all fat and happy. They're just coasting through, even though I know that's not very likely. But that's what I tell myself when I'm betting on them <laughs> or against them. And, uh, and that, that's kind of the rationale behind this bet. Hamilton's clinched already. I'm sure they're probably uh, vying for some sort of home playoff positioning, whatever it may be. Um, but the Rough Riders are still cr- scratching and clawing. So uh, they've got a little bit of work to do. And if they want to get into playoffs, hey, the only stat that matters is winning. I'm just asking that they win by more than four points. All right. And if people want to uh, bet along with you for fun and just, you know, to get into the game, how do they do it? They go to playnow.com. You'll click the red join button in the top right-hand corner on your mobile device or cell phone. From there, it's four simple sets of personal information, uh, and then you enter your preferred way of uh, depositing, and you have access to 500 different slot games, over 500 different slot games, the Play Now Live Casino, and the Play Now Sportsbook. 
Uh, currently, right now, we're talking about football, but you can bet on pretty much anything under the sun as long as it's sanctioned and professional. And we also got uh, the Play Now Saskatchewan uh, Sportsbook app. So if you go to the Apple I, uh, Apple uh, Store, it's only available for iOS users right now. We're working on that for Android users. Uh, we also got same-game parlay bets for the NFL weekly. Um <clears throat> Where you make a twenty dollars same game parlay, you get ten dollars back, uh, and we're also little insider info for you. We're oh, going to have the same type of deal with the NHL that's coming up pretty soon here too. So we'll have an NHL same game parlay uh, promotion. So there's tons to do over on Playhouse Saskatchewan. Tons of fun to be had, and that's the key word right there, Mike. Online gambling, sports gambling is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be harmful. So we ask that our customers are enjoying their experience by playing responsibly. Obviously, you got to be over the age of 19. you got to be using your game sense when you're playing. Ben, thanks for your time, man. Good luck this weekend with your bets. No problem. Thanks for having me on again, Mike. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Well, members of the 2013 team have started to flood in. The likes of Sam Hurl, Tristan Jackson, T-Jack looking good, John Chick, Mike McCullough. The list goes on and on. Corey Chamlin, Brendan Tamman. Brendan's going to join us after 5.30. We were hoping to get a hold of Mitch Holthus of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs radio network, but uh, I know he was in tight window. He's going from one show to my show. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt if the Canadian show in the middle of the prairies takes a back seat. No big shocker. Hey, uh, Coach Craig Dickinson addressed the media after practice today, and here are his thoughts. It's been great. You know, today was the first day I saw them. I knew they they were around, and I don't know. It's kind of like seeing old friends in a lot of ways. You know, and even if if you didn't coach them or work with them, we all kind of know each other and. Just sat down with George Cortez for a few minutes, Doug Malone. I saw Corey Chamberlain and some of the players, um, you know, Tristan Jackson's here. They're just it's really, it's really neat seeing these guys, and um, I'm really happy that they're here. Do you think it'll help motivate your guys this week? It won't hurt. It won't hurt. I will say that because um, there's just a certain energy that that winners have, and that was the Grey Cup winning team, and you can already feel good energy from them, and so. You know, today we had the team meet meet the 13 group that's here, and I think I think some of that good energy will hopefully rub off on our guys. Is Derek Moncrief back at practice today, or yeah, he was out there today. Expected to play this week. We expect him to play. Any other changes we should expect to see? Or not a lot. No, you know, we put a few new faces out there, but we're going to go with the guys that got us here for the most part, and you know, we we want to we want to try to put the same group out there as much as we can. No, we didn't have any specific message, but we just wanted to have some, you know, some fellowship, and so brought them up in front of the team, introduced most of them, and and just uh, you know encouraged encouraged our guys to interact with them a little bit and shake some hands and get to know them. So they're in the in this in the players' lounge right now having lunch together, and I'm sure telling lots of stories. It feels like it means a little more. You're right. And uh, it's an important game for us for a lot of reasons. And uh, that's Coach Craig Dickinson as they're gearing up for Saturday's game 
at uh, Mosaic Stadium where they're going to celebrate the 2013 Grey Cup Championship Rough Rider team and honor the legendary George Reed who passed away. And we had talked about George Reed passing away and how he was a foundational, he was the greatest rider. When you think riders, you thought George Reed. And then in the NFL, you thought Jim Brown, Dick Butkus. Well, Dick Butkus just passed away, medical emergency at his home at the age of 80. And we're... Uh, joined on the phone by one of the great voices in the NFL, Mitch Holthus of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so kind of time they get to talk to you. Uh, Dick Butkus, when you think Bears, you think of a guy like Dick Butkus, don't you? For sure. And you think of the 60s National Football League and the, the big middle linebacker types. And uh, you think of NFL films. You think of all of those uh, plays that he had and hits that he had and, and uh, just – kind of his mean style of playing football but uh he you know he was an iconic figure obviously as a player and then after his playing days for sure so it's a sad day to lose a guy like dick buckus it appears uh, that it was a very sudden passing and so you know hearts out to to the bears they've had a rough time as it is and now they lose one of their iconic former players yeah, that is uh, absolutely true. Like I th- when I think of Bears, you think of Gale Sayers, Dick Butkus, you think of Walter Payton. Hey, uh, I wanted to congratulate you. You're into your 30th year calling Kansas City Chiefs football. That's a real milestone, my friend. Well, thanks. Yeah, I feel like I'm just getting started. Uh, these last, <laughs> you know, the 30 seasons, I've really broken down into the five with Marty Schottenheimer were great. Uh, and we he passed too soon as well. And then 14 years of being kind of in the wilderness, only three playoff appearances, and two of those we weren't even competitive. And then the last 11 with Andy Reid have been spectacular. Ten straight winning seasons, a 3-1 and one start to this season, two-time Super Bowl champions, another Super Bowl runner-up, hosting five straight AFC championship games at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. That's never been done in NFL history, neither the AFC or the NFC. So there's just a lot of history going on here, and every week has its own drama. And then with the you know, the amazing unicorn that is Patrick Mahomes uh, to have him here. Uh, the all-time tight end in NFL history is Travis Kelsey. Now we got Taylor Swift. She's a huge fan. So we got it all going on here, brother. Are you a Swifty? No, I'm not. But you know what? Since she's part of the Chiefs kingdom, I guess that I've had to, you know, I found out she had 274 songs. I realized that she's like a genius. Like, how can you be country slash hip-hop slash Romeo and Juliet, uh, Friday Night Lights, I don't know, CFL, All-Star, all of that. I don't know. Um, she's she's really genius in her music and has been at this 20 years, and she's only 33. So, uh, But, yeah, to have arguably the biggest entertainer on the planet now be one of our fans and show up at our games, and we thought, oh, good, yeah, we'll quiet that all down. We'll go to New York and play on Sunday Night Football. That'll do it. So yeah. it's just it's it's crazy, my friend, of what's going on now. But the Chiefs, even prior to that, have taken this meteoric rise and becoming a global team. Uh, Western Europe loves the Chiefs. They love Patrick Mahomes. When you look at engagement, it's who's watching, listening, buying stuff. Um, the Chiefs have made the fastest rise of any NFL team over the past three seasons. Um, lastly, do you think this will become a distraction at all, Swift and Kelsey? No, if it was anybody but Kels or Mahomes, I would say it could be. Now, the only way it gets, becomes a distraction is if just this avalanche of stuff that comes from outside of football, like, oh, I don't know, TMZ or, um, you know, the New York Post or 
all these people that chase down, you know, or, or fake stories like Kelsey sneaking into the hotel because he was with Taylor Swift all night. No, not true. And people that I've, I know very well that I respect were going, she was on the trip. She's on the team plane. No. Well, I saw the picture. It was online. No, fake. So that's when it can become maybe just a little bit of a distraction. But for, from, from a football standpoint, there's zero of that when you've got a guy that's been so accomplished uh, like uh, Travis Kelsey. It's been nice talking to you. It's a short visit, but we're uh, happy to have you, especially on an unfortunate but timely day with the passing of Dick Butkus. Uh, continued success for you, Mitch Holthus. I appreciate your time. Go Rough Riders. You know, the Chiefs and Rough Riders have a nice several connections, so we're proud of that. Yeah, that we are too. Thank you. Take care, Mitch. All right, see you. Yeah, that's Mitch Holfus joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. That'll do it for this hour of the Sports Cage. We'll be back with much more coming up from the Conexus Art Center here on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome back to the... uh, Connexus Art Center, Sports Cage Live on this Thursday for the Canadian Brewhouse. Coming up, we're going to speak with the uh, tandem that helped get us the Great Cup, Corey Chamberlain and Brendan Tamman. And uh, Chris Best will join us, too. I do want to mention, though, losing another legend this week. George Reed, of course, close to our hearts here, but the uh, NFL losing Dick Butkus, found unresponsive by a friend who went to check on him today. Often touted as one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Tough as nails. When you think Bears, you think of the six foot three, two 245-pounder out of the University of Illinois. Number third overall pick in the 1965 uh, uh, NFL draft. All right, uh, let's get to this singer. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. We're joined by the Hall of Fame broadcaster, former Rider great. He's in the Plaza of Honor himself, Glenn Suter. Let's start there. What does that mean to a player, whether he goes in individually or with a team? Yeah, it doesn't matter which way you go in. I mean, it's, um, it is such a great honor because, you know what you do? You It's, it's like we've talked about at length about uh, George Reed. And, you know, just that we are all that have been in the organization standing on the shoulders of those great, you know, uh, players and people that that set the bar. And, and so when you look at the Plaza of Honor, you look at the names that are on the plaques and on the, you know, the, um, in the, on, uh, in the Plaza and you, and you just, you're humbled by it. You're humbled by it. And you feel like I'm standing and have been, and everyone after these guys are standing on their shoulders. 
More than that, though, Glenn, in a situation like this, uh, and you'd know it, winning a championship in 1989, uh, you're only one in the professional ranks. And a lot of these guys, it was their only uh, championship, too. Uh, but it's it's about coming back together and getting back together with the guys. You can't put a price tag on that. That's what most guys miss. It's not the score. It's certainly not the trainer's table. It's it's the memories. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the relationships. You know, I, I tell kids this when I go to talk to amateur football or minor football kids, that when you start to play football, you are sort of never alone from that moment on. You you will have people that will be with you and will be your best friends that you trust and they trust you for the rest of your life. And you will, you know, you will always have someone that has your back because that's what the fraternity of football creates. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, man. It really is. And once you win a championship, it uh, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter if you've talked to a guy for 10 years, uh, you you have that bond forever. Yeah, yeah, you do. And you and you immediately start telling the stories, and the stories get much more... Uh, <laughs> much, much, much bigger and, and more glamorous as the years go by. What, what's it mean, though, really, to win a championship for a franchise that hasn't won many championships? I was thinking about this, Glenn. Actually, today, this is my... Okay, I'm in my 22nd year... Uh, 21st year, sorry, of broadcasting Rough Riders football. Second is the play-by-play guy. And I have only covered one championship because I wasn't doing it. I had a, uh, took a time off during the 2007, 2008, 2009 season. So I've only been a, a, on the sidelines or up in the booth for one championship. So what does it mean to be a part of the fraternity of a, a you know, for a franchise that's only won four of them? Well, the, you know, I've, I've said it, even if it's uh you know, a Super Bowl championship, the money will come and go. And, you know, whether you made it through your contract or bonus money for being in playoffs and, and championship games or whatever it may be, that comes and goes. And um, what never leaves you is that you were part of a championship team. And, and then you understand, it, it becomes so clear to you what it takes to do that. Um, you know, I sit, in, I sit in a beer league locker room sometime with guys <laughs> that are of all different ages and honestly, before we go into a playoff game, I ask the guys in the room, and let's say there's 12 guys, 15 guys. I ask them in the room, how many guys have ever won a championship at any level in their, in their life? And maybe one hand goes up. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's mm-hmm. so hard to win at every level. I don't care how many teams are in your league. It is very, very difficult to win at all levels, certainly for the pro level. So when you do, man, enjoy it. Enjoy yeah, it. no kidding. Hey, uh, let, I, I went back and watched the 2013 uh, playoff run again, um, and I'm not saying this uh, because I'm biased or anything like that. I can't put my finger on a better quarterbacking performance than the three games Darian Duran put together. I, I agree, and I've told him that many times in our discussions. Um, I, I think it was a, t- a player putting his team on his back like I've never seen, uh, quarterback rating like I've never seen, and that's as a player or as a broadcaster in this game for, you know, the last well, almost 40 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was great playoff performances in the past that, you know, I wasn't privy to or didn't see live, but I just – I just, in my time, have never seen a quarterback through a lot of different mechanisms, whether it be running against BC in that first playoff game, whether it be throwing the ball, 
the great cup dominance. Um, you know, people say, well, you, you get, you got a little lucky when you fumbled and Corey Sheets pick it up and went for 40 yards in the game changing play. When you're hustling and you're around the ball and you feel it and you're in that kind of zone, those things happen for you. Yeah. They just do. Hey, because you're in the right place at the right time. As a broadcaster, you were there, obviously, with Chris Cuthbert. I was there, too, doing the radio a game on the sidelines. I asked Henry Burris, who was the rival quarterback, and I asked Darian Durant, and I said, when did you guys know... You know, to Henry, when did you know you were in trouble? And I said to Darian, when did you know that this was going to be your day? And he said, it was when Corey Sheets uh, picked my fumble out of the air. And Burris said, when I saw Corey Sheets do that, I turned to the guys on the sidelines and said, uh-oh. As a, broadca- <laughs> as a broadcaster, when did you know or think that the Rough Riders, now you're not cheering for them, you're up there in the booth. Obviously, you're a former rider, so you could say you're not cheering for them, but there's a piece of your heart always with Rider Nation, and I don't think you should apologize for that. But when did you kind of know, holy cow, I think this is a runaway train? Yeah, there, there always is. And, of course, I've, I've always felt that. Uh, and I was and I was a fan of the entire event, The just the... the engagement with the province and all the fans and the jam-packed house and beautiful weather that day. Um, so all of that was part of it. But I, I felt like it after the first series. I'm, I'm serious. And I've never, I've never thought of it that early, Pro- probably for a couple of reasons. One, they just looked like they were playing at a different speed, the riders, than Hamilton. Um, they were – they they came out together, which was interesting to mm-hmm. me. They, there was that was a planned, you know, we're in this together. We're going to fight to the end, and we've got the right leader to do it. And and Darian, and then uh, when that first couple of series happened, I thought, I don't think the Riders are losing this game, and I don't care what what the opponent looked like. I don't care if it was Tom Brady and the hottest Patriot team. I think Darian Durant was beating him on that day. Uh, I just I just felt like they were playing at a different level with different level of confidence and they were in that zone like I haven't ever seen and probably a little bit the playoff run was one of the reasons I thought that because they were carrying that momentum over and then when the the snap went right by Henry Burris yeah and and he wasn't you know in there wasn't looking or it came at the wrong time or whatever it was man I thought, yeah, okay, this this baby is done. I just didn't want to blow out. I didn't want a big blow out or else it's, a, it's more of a tap dance in the booth. You know, I wonder, uh, Darian told me it's the greatest, uh, you know, a quarterback's dream to lead a game-winning drive down the field like Ken Austin did when you guys won. I wonder if it's better to win a great cup like that or to know you've won it with like about five or six minutes to go. I, I, I wonder that. Yeah, I, I think either way is is uh, no one's going to complain. But I think when you're in front of your home crowd, if you can have the edge and be pounding a team, every single person in that home crowd is going to actually enjoy every single minute. But as far as drama and up out of your seat and excitement and, you know, just the edge of your seat anticipation, man, there's nothing like a close game down to the wire, walk-off field goal. Great for television, great for ratings across the country. Um, and, you know, our game has provided it so many times. Mm. You know, I'm never surprised when it happened. That's Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. It's press coverage. When we come back, I'll tell you what, man. Played college ball at Duke. He's now living on the island out west. 
the engineer, helped us engineer a great cup championship. Number 66, Chris Best. You're listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Man, I'm having a blast, and I haven't even heard all the old stories. This guy was a teammate of mine. No, not on the field. In the broadcast booth, or at least uh, the pre- and post-game show, Chris Best. We spent a many a late night together, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I was just reminiscing about that, yeah. Uh, that was a few years ago. Uh, he's joining us here, of course. He helped uh, secure the fourth grade cup along with his teammates. This is what's cool, right? It's, I mean, the ring's cool. To get the get a hand on the trophy's cool. But all the people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just like coming home. Like Just like seeing all these people again. See, like You slip back into the exact same routines you had. It's, it's, it's like seeing all your friends again. It's yeah. awesome. Who is your best friend on this team? And do they are they still your best friend? Uh... I would say that my best on the team, the offensive line in general, probably uh, X and Ben yeah. are probably the, my best friends. And then uh, X isn't here, Ben is here, and that we still definitely keep in touch. So yeah. you do the best you can with three kids, of course. No kidding. So you've got three kids. you got Libby, George, and sorry, the third one? Evelyn. Evelyn. So nine, five, and three? three. Yep. We're, we're wow. almost almost out of the craziness, wow. but it's uh, wow. yeah. no kidding. How how you how you loving being a dad? Oh, it's it's so much fun. It's the most fun going all their sports and stuff like that, and just being around with the kids and just yeah, uh, taking like we just done stuff outside and everything, taking for bench uh, the beaches and everything. So. so George went to daycare with Clark's kid. Yep, Cash. Yep. Yeah. So George is he a mini you? Like is he a big guy? Very much so. Yeah. Kid was he's gonna play contact sports somehow. We'll have to figure out what it is. But yeah, he's he's a little bro. It's awesome. Okay, so let's uh, let's uh, talk about you know. I asked you about your body. How's your body holding up after all these years? Feeling pretty good. Um, no more surgeries. I had a couple of hip surgeries after I was done playing uh, yeah. football. But since then, it's been pretty good. Feeling good. Just got to keep those pounds down, and I should yeah. be all right. Any any like so when you've gone through all that stuff, mm. you're here in this room. You got uh, the ring. Any regrets at all? Like, do you regret it one minute? No. Um, so much of, so much, this was so much fun. This was such a special thing to be part of. And the, the things I learned in football helped me out so much later. No, this is, it was a privilege to be part of this, really. So tell the people what you're doing now. We know you're in the engineering world, but uh, where are you working? You told me you just got a promotion. I did. I was just promoted to associate at uh, AME Consulting Group. Uh, we specialize in pools. And we do a lot of mechanical engineering all across Western Canada, even here in Saskatchewan. So it's yeah, you now you, you weren't on the project, but your company was with regards to the new pool we got in the park. Both new pools, yep. Oh. In Maple Leaf and Wiscana. Both those pools were our company, and like we're super proud of them. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool, uh, it's a really cool industry to be involved in. Can you, what can you take from football, the competitive and all that type of thing to, to that world? Is there anything you can take like that? It's the teamwork aspect. Instead of like focusing on like, you know, like worrying about things, you focus on we're a team, we're fixing these things together. How do we fix these things? How do we solve these things? So it's always about constructive communication because there's always going to be problems. So, so like, yeah. So how, let's go back to this uh, season in 2013. Um, what was that like through your lens or your eyes? Like, what did you, was there a point where you thought, oh, this isn't, you know, this might not end up the way we want? No, we always had a really good confidence in that year. We always knew we had a really talented team that year. And obviously, Coach Sham and everything, we were really pointing in the right direction. We had a few hiccups. I personally had a bit of a frustrating year when I got hurt, but I was lucky able to come back for the playoffs. We always knew if we controlled our stuff inside our locker room, we were all pointing in the right direction. We should be okay. We, we just knew we had the horses in, the, in our locker room there. So forgive me, I forgot. It's been 10 years. I'm getting older. What 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 injury did you have again? Uh, that year, I tore my right um, arch. It was very painful. I wouldn't recommend it. So, 
I did it. I did it against Edmonton. I finished the game. It was not fun, but uh, we got through it. And we won that game. So when you came back, like. 80, 90, 70%. How was it for the playoffs? Uh, I felt No, I felt good for the playoffs. I, I wanted to get there earlier, but that was back when they had the nine-game rule instead of the six-game rule. I yep. probably could have come back after six games, but I had to wait that, all, that out. So I was good. And then I had one regular season game at the end of the year to make sure I was actually in shape for football. And then it was, oh, man, it's playoff time. So it was uh, back, right back into the fire there. What do you miss about, you don't miss the weather or anything, what do you miss about playing or being in Saskatchewan? I mean, you miss the people. Everyone's just so friendly here. You really, as I said, it really does feel like coming home. Um, I just, it's, it's weird walking around. It's almost like a time, like, I've been here before. I've seen all these things before. It's just really nice yeah. to kind of be reacquainted with everything. How, far, how long have you been gone for now? Two years now. Two years. Okay, yeah. and, uh, and do you watch the Riders still? Yeah, watch the Riders. Yeah. That's the one game a week one you're game, watching? That's the one game we got to watch. Watch the Riders. What are you making of what's going on with them? Do you think they can turn it on here in the playoffs? I think they got a chance. I mean, obviously, the, just got to get consistent play on the offense. And then just obviously, Shive has got him back. He's playing better. But like, as long as we get all three phases going towards the right I way. I feel like the yeah. O-line's better this year, although mm. it still has struggled at times. But I think that <sighs> so might have... Injuries, so many might, injuries. Injury, and it's tough to overcome those things. Yeah, because that's the communication. There's obviously been a bunch of changes on the personnel there. And that kind of doesn't help you all the communication aspect there yeah. but I feel, I feel like they're gelling I feel like there's been uh, compared to what we were complaining about last year like it's been a real improvement in terms of the play on out front there which is really good I'll see you on the other side for all the Absolutely. fun okay nice seeing Thank you man. awesome Appreciate to it. see you that's our friend Chris Best when we come back we'll be joined by Corey Chamlin and Brendan Tamman this is the sports cage from the Conexus Arts Center for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM all right, it's 529 with your sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage doors so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. While the Chicago Bears and Buckus family have confirmed the passing of NFL legend Dick Buckus at the age of 80. So it's been a tough week losing legends left, right, and center. Of course, uh, this past Sunday, we lost the legendary George Reed, and now today, the legendary linebacker from the Chicago Bears, of the Chicago Bears, Dick Butkus, passes away at the age of 80. You can't cash in if you don't play. Get your tickets now for the Rokenville Lucky Lottery and 50-50 draw with a grand prize of $100,000 and an early bird draw of $10,000 if you purchase before September 15th. Plus, 50-50 draw with a max prize of $48,500. Tickets are $100 and 50-50 tickets are one for 20 or three for 50. Get yours by calling 1-855-762-5686 or online at RokenvilleLotto.ca. Early bird draw date is September 15th. Official draw date is October 14th. License number RR230052 and LR230008. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chat brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. All the sports under one roof, three locations, two in Regina, one in Moose Jaw. And uh, the Pats won their 25th hundred game in their team's history last night. A 4-1 win, or check that, 4-2 win over the Medicine Hat Tigers. Four different goal scorers, and Ewan Huey made 32 saves for the victory. When we come back here on the other side, in a couple of seconds, we'll be joined by the dream team of your 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You're listening to the Sports Cage. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Ah, yes, 2013, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders win the Grey Cup, and these two guys had a huge hand in it. 
coach Corey Chamberlain, general manager Brendan Tam. And nice to see you guys. It's great to see you again. Nice to see you. Good to see you, Balls. Isn't it awesome to to get back and see all the guys again? Like, uh, for you, how long has it been, Corey, since you've seen a lot of these dudes? Uh, oh, well, probably since that 2013. I've been back since in 2019, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's always to come back as a winner. It's yeah. always great. <laughs> Isn't it? It's always great. That, that's the one thing. They can never take that championship away from you, Brendan, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah it was a special year, and it's uh, forever etched in our history, so it's so, good. So I'll get a comment from each of you guys. What was the conversation like when you left that field in Calgary in 2012? Uh, that was a tough, mm. uh, tough a tough semi-final loss. Um, you know, did the plan start right there, basically? Corey knows this. We yeah. we uh, we talked on the plane. Corey brought out an envelope. I was in a napkin. Yeah. And we started putting numbers down on changes on what we were going to do mm-hmm. on the plane home. Yeah. So we knew we were going to execute them fairly soon into the off season, but Corey's plan was immediate. And okay, that, tell me about that plan. You know, it was unique because, you know, and I spoke about this earlier on the podcast, you know, it's 2012, 16 seconds left, yeah. you know, and, you know, that team probably make it, makes it to the Western final, but that team wasn't strong enough to be a Grey Cup team, you know, and uh, if we do that, then maybe we fool ourselves thinking that the next year we can win it at home. So, you know, I think that really was the start to the 2013 season to really give us that foundation is, hey, we have to become stronger to win. And uh, it was pretty good. We were on the plane. We wrote it down. Brendan's like, "Dude, are you serious?" I'm like, "I'm serious." Let's 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 I get this go to done. Sleep. Yeah. yeah, he's like, "I'm going to sleep." <laughs> but we, you know, we got it done. And um, you know, there's some things, the pieces that we put together. Like I said, personnel-wise, Brendan did a good job. And you know, the message was there. The motivation was there. And uh, we made it happen. I defended you guys on the call-in show year mm-hmm. a couple years later when mm-hmm. everybody's like, "Look what we did!" And and now we're now we're hooped. And I'm like, "We won a great cup on our home turf. Give me that every day of the week. Push the chips to the middle. Yeah. Let's go." So we'll get to you in a second, but in the off season, like how does that look? You bring John Chicken, you're you're starting to, you know, you you got G Roy Simon yep. coming in and making trades as it goes along too. Yeah. Well, the one thing me and Corey knew, we weren't going to sit on our hands and knees in 13 and just go, oh, let's hope we win. Yeah. We were, the word I always use was aggressive. Mm-hmm. And people can say all they want about how we put all it in and put it into the next year, the two years. People are still doing that in this league. Mm-hmm. Not a, that's not a new thing and it's not an old thing. Yeah. I just kept doing what everybody else was doing. Yeah. So uh, the bottom line is win. Yeah. And when we look at our rings, it's a ring. So at any point during that year from the GM's chair, were you worried? Because there was yeah. a stretch where you guys were yeah. kind of stubbed yes. your toe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey knows this. We were losing four in a row, and then we had a little bit of a fight. So I had to turn the team over to Corey and J.O. for the week because I had to go deal with Brawlgate yeah. and Dudney yeah. and try to figure out who was fighting who and who's going to play and who's not going to get kicked out of the country. Yeah. And then we won that game in B.C., Yeah. and that, that seemed to be the kickstart to so it. how did you handle like how did you maneuver around on that part of things that could have that could have circled the drain pretty fast well i think it was important that me as a gm had our guys backs i didn't want our players thinking we're going to walk away from guys that were just accused of doing something that actually in a couple cases weren't even true mm. so i think that was important shocker that- false <laughs> narrative even back then <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> yeah so i left the football up to Corey and those guys but i also wanted them to know that as a management team we weren't going to walk away from mm-hmm. people that were probably incorrectly mm. charged with some things yeah. that never happened so 
How did you manage not only that, but just the pressure? There's a pressure yeah. now. He set the table for you. You wanted him to set the table. Yeah. Now you got to make it happen on the field. You know, the good thing about it, the pressure eases a little bit when you have the players that we had. You mm-hmm. know, like I said, it's not like we sat on our hands and said, hey, we're going to go with the same team we did last year. We're going to hope and pray. No, we added some good quality guys who knew what it meant to be champions, you know. So we had a good crew in the locker room. You know, they were mature enough to understand that there's going to be a level of adversity. And uh, those guys came together, and that was the biggest thing is, you know, direct those players and where they should be going. You know, we had the fight, so there's a little bit of misdirection there. And then once we came back and we focused on what we needed to do, overcame that four-game losing streak, it was, it, I'm not going to say it was easy from there, but they understood what it was. The task was being at home, and then you had the fans and everybody letting you know every day what it was. So, <laughs> I mean, you just dealt with the pressure. Uh, the biggest thing about that, I think the biggest pressure, honestly, was in the BC game in the playoffs. Mm. The biggest pressure was like, man, this could end right now. You know, and then Darian ended up taking that game over. And then from that point, it was just like, okay, that's it. We're going to win it. I'm glad you brought up Darian Duran because you guys, he talked about you guys having a special uh, a special relationship. And I remember you telling him, I told you you were going to be a champ. I yeah. told you you're a championship quarterback. Just talk about that special relationship. Because that great cup week, he kept all his family away. And I, yeah. I kind of felt bad for the guy. He won a championship and nobody to celebrate with. Yeah, well, that, that was the whole thing because that wasn't his first time being in a championship nope. environment. You know, yeah. and he was looking for what's the things that's keeping me from being a champion. You know, and I think he dug deep to find it. You know, uh, I think was it 10 there last year or they were in it with 2010 or whatever that year yeah. was mm-hmm. in the miss 9 10. Nine, ten, and then you're twelve, and, and then so what? What happened? You know, so you know he dug in. He did what he needed to do. You know, no distractions, whatever it is, and he just dug deep and found Darian. That was the guy that he had, he was meant to be the whole time. You know, I'm just happy it happened in thirteen and nine to ten and nine. Yeah, yeah I said it. <laughs> when did you know? When did you know that day, November 24th, 2013, you were going to win the ball game? Uh, Don't give me coach speak now. We're done. When did you know that you were going to win that game? No, and I'm going to tell you when, and I just said this earlier, when the ball popped out of Darian's hand and into Sheets' hand, and it was an angel in the outfield moment, that Franco Harris type moment, the uh, whatever there was, um, yeah. that type, you knew, okay, this is going to go in our favor. I mean, certain things just happen in football that kind of helps you believe, and that was that moment. So it's not that, you know, uh, and then the other moment was this, pregame. And I hate to put Steinauer uh, out there, but I can remember um, before the game, he's like, man, this bear, I mean, this weather's for bears. He just said how cold it was. And I said, well, you guys are not ready. You guys are not ready for mm-hmm. it. So mentally that week, because they ended up having, what, frostbite with yep. their guys and all yep. that. And we're laughing. It's like, yeah, you guys are not ready for this. So the elements played uh, a huge part in us winning that as well. How about you? When did you know you'd won that game? Uh, when Dress got the touchdown. Yeah, near the end there. Yeah, that's I was you, a little more nervous than yeah. him. I don't even remember that. Yeah, <laughs> tell you keep playing that game though. As we remember the key playing that game, Corey Sheets second and nineteen. You run a draw play up yeah. the far left side. Yeah, that yeah. was a huge play yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah, but no, it was early for me. I was just looking for that magical moment, you know, mm. because we struggled in that BC game, and and those times I remember talking to Richie on the headphones, like Richie, we gotta get it done. We gotta get this done, you know, just because of the magnitude uh, of that game in the Grey Cup. So we ended up getting it done, and then another moment happened there with Sheets, and I was like, okay, this is it. We could. We can we can do this. You know it's uh I ask guys this when you win one, you remember it. But the ones that you missed, does it hurt? Like next year, you guys are rolling. We're talking like you probably win back to back championships and yeah. Darian gets hurt on a play that wasn't even a play. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you think about that at all? No, I don't. I, we, I, I got the Great Cup 2013. <laughs> I, I got a lot of what else. And, yeah, we talk about it. My wife even mentions that. You know, and I was like, hey, you know, certain things happen. We don't know why they happen. But uh, we definitely know that we would have made a run for it. You know, like I said, we started off hot. I thought the 14 team was probably even better than the 13 team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it didn't happen.
And then 15, Darian blows his Achilles in the first half of the game against Winnipeg. Hey, this guy here, he's my neighbor, Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. You, you knew the team was doing well because he would play with his kids in the front grass. And, and, you didn't and, see and him for a few months then. It went, when, it was, when it was bad, he was he was gone before the sun went up and he didn't come <laughs> home until the sun was down. <laughs> right, Corey? I tell everybody, they said, how long are you there? I said, 2012 to 2015 and a half. I only did a half year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I know you're busy in Arizona. You got How old are the kids now? They're 12 and 10 and enjoying sports. What are they doing in sports? Uh, the oldest, Carter, uh, he's doing track and he's doing football. He was number four in the state of Arizona. And uh, the, their four-by-one team was number one in the southwest region. And they went to nationals. Keaton is a football and baseball. And uh, Dustin Brajoy is coach. And he's slapping them all over the fence at 10 years old. Nice. And what are you, like, are you coaching football? At yeah, I coach, yeah, I coach. Uh, I'm doing youth football with those guys. But now I was in the XFL and USFL before then, uh, working more of the spring leagues, spending a little bit more time with the kids. And so are you still going to be involved in the, the leagues are merged? Uh, yeah, you know, I've been involved. I mean, who knows yep. what, what's, what's up? You know, yep. I, I may decide to buy a winter coat. Who knows? Oh, and, uh, good. <laughs> I like that. I like the, I like the sound of that. And you're, uh, you guys just uh, yeah. tanned our tail there. Uh, it's been, you've had a chance to win some games that got away from you. I think of the one in BC, for instance. Uh, I don't remember what you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how are things going in Ottawa? It's good. There's a lot of good people there. It's a really good, it's a fun place to be. The record isn't obviously what we wanted. The owners are great. Mm. Uh, Sean, our GM, is outstanding, and Coach Dice speaks for himself. So it's a really good group. It's just unfortunate we're not able to win some games. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? I'll let you go celebrate. It's great to see you again. Nice to see you, too. All right. Thanks, neighbor. Nice to see you, <laughs> buddy. See you. Brandon Tapp, right. great guy, too. The Dream Team helping the Rough Riders win a great cup in 2013. We'll be back to wrap the show up from here in a moment. You're listening to the Sports Cage for the Canadian Brew House on 620 CKRM. The early bird deadline in the Rough Rider and Children's Hospital Foundation's lottery is midnight tomorrow. Don't miss your chance to win the Hello Lake Life early bird prize. Head to the lake with your new Jeep Gladiator and Axis Wake Boat or take 235000 cash. Plus, there are 10 incredible grand prizes, including your best chance to win $1 million. Your support makes a difference in the lives of kids across Saskatchewan. Hurry, the early bird deadline is midnight tomorrow. Visit riderschildrenslottery.ca and get your tickets today. Lottery license LR230030. Please play responsibly. Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, just ahead of uh, closing the show with Bob Marjanovic, the voice of the BC Lions. We're coming to you live from the Connexus Art Center. Sad day in the world of football. Dick Butkus passing away at the age of 80. The legend uh, linebacker, the Chicago Bears, suffering a medical emergency in his home, actually found unresponsive. So, can make an assumption as to what that might have been. Probably a heart attack, but uh, Butkus passing away at the age of 80 years old. Zinger, you're a big Rough Rider fan, obviously. Um, Ten years ago, it would have put you in your early 20s. Uh, what do you think when you think of that team? And, and those two guys talk, Corey Chamberlain and Brendan Tammen. I think about a whole lot of winning because growing up as a kid in the late 90s, early 2000s, didn't really win too much. But uh, that era of Rough Rider football is uh, completely different to what I was used to growing up uh, as a youngster. So when I think of those two guys, when I think of uh, all those other guys that are walking around you right now at the Plaza of Honor, you can't help but just think of just a winning team because uh, that's why I I would love to put Jim Hobson onto the Mount Rushmore of uh, of a Rider greats because uh, you know it's going to be tough to replicate that era of Rough Rider football because, uh, I mean, 
two back-to-back Grey Cups. I know we lost, but like when you think of it, like that is like three potential championships in a span of, you know, like a five-year span, or whatever. So that's uh, that is. Well, think some- about it, Dinger. Two thousand and nine, they actually won the thing and lost. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and ten, eh, they were close on the scoreboard, but not really. But they were in a great cup. Two thousand and twelve, uh, sixteen seconds away from going to a West final. But yeah, you had a great cup that you won in two thousand and nine. You have won in twenty thirteen. You probably would have won in twenty fourteen. So three great cups, and who knows about 2015 when Durant mm-hmm. goes down, the season goes down right in the first week. So you're right. I um, I hope we can get back to that. I'm all for. I I was I was one of those guys that was not mad that they put everything in uh, in that 2013 championship. No, and even like before that, I mean, 2007 we won the Grey Cup. There's just that one yeah. year separating when Calgary won the yeah. Grey Cup in 2008. And, and after- think of 2008. And think of 2008. Zinger. I'm glad you brought that up. We had all those broken legs, and we couldn't mm-hmm. settle on the quarterback, and that yeah, was the Crandall, biggest downfall. They yeah. picked Michael Bishop. Yeah, Michael Bishop instead of Darian Durant. Yeah, I think Stephen Giles wasn't so. he in the conversation as well at the time yeah, in 2008. Yeah, he was. You're right. you're oh ab- boy, you're absolutely right, man. It's great to see some of these guys, all the great plays. G. Roy Simon not here, but we heard from him earlier. He will uh, be here on Saturday for the big game, the Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Riders can knock out G. Roy's Elks and the uh, Brennan Tammons Ottawa Red Blacks with a victory here on Saturday. Well, that's going to do it for here, but uh, I'm going to uh, head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with the uh, great voice of the BC Lions, Bob Marjanovic, as uh, we got a big game coming up, a Western heavyweight showdown, Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Another great play-by-play man of the British Columbia Lions, Bob Marjanovic, the Modes, joining me here. It's always beautiful in B.C. I'm sure that's the same way today. Yeah, beautiful day here in B.C. It's not raining, which is always a good thing. And uh, looking forward to the big matchup tomorrow night at B.C. Place between the Bombers, of course, the center of the CFL universe, according to the people in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and our BC Lions. So looking forward to it. Yeah, they're coming into the second nicest stadium in the CFL, in my opinion. I'll give, <laughs> I'll give Mosaic the top billing. I put BC Place older, but still uh, holding its uh, great charm. I know it got remade there in uh, 2010 or right around there. Hey, uh, uh, Bob, what kind of crowd do you think we'll get tomorrow night for the game? You know, I don't think it's going to be as good of a crowd as it could have been under different circumstances. And I say that because it's a Thanksgiving day long weekend. I know I've talked to a couple of friends of mine that are season ticket holders and they won't be going to the game because they're going out of town for Thanksgiving over the island interior. So that's taking a little bit of a bite out of the crowd. And then our local National Hockey League team has an exhibition game across the street at the same time. So That'll take a little bit out of a, a little bit of a bite out of the crowd, but probably close to, I'm probably going to figure like somewhere between 25 and 30, maybe like 27, 28. So it'll be a good crowd. So a healthy CFL crowd. And I think if you can get that, that'd be great. Um, let's talk about that and what Amar Dolman's done, uh, over the last couple of years in, in Vancouver and uh, the province at large, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's really reengaged with this fan base. Um, he's empowered all of his employees. So the, the difference just in the attitude in the people in the front office between now and the previous regime, it's like night and day, right? I mean, they're excited to come to work. They're excited that 
you know, that they have plans and those plans can be executed because they have the resources and the guidance to do so. So um, it's, it's really cool from that perspective and even from a fan's perspective. I mean, you go on the cesspool known as X, formerly known as Twitter, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's people, there's people out there saying, hey, you know, I wish Samar don't own the Canucks. Francesco, sell the Canucks to Amar, right? So right now he's probably the most popular owner in the league, and a lot of it has to do with his engagement with the fans. And, like, you know, you, you look at things like what they've done with the start times, having them at 4 o'clock so more fans from out of town can come into to Vancouver, fans from Kelowna, Kamloops, the island, right, and be able to get back home that night. And, you know, I looked at the numbers, Ballsy, when they have those packages that come out for the buses. They're not making money off that. No. That's just get those fans into the building, right? It's not like they're making tens of thousands of dollars off of this. I'm looking at the numbers, and trust me, you know, hosting a golf tournament, you, you kind of realize what some of the numbers are with buses and this and that. And because we always had a bus every year for our tournament from Whistler up to Pemberton. So it's like. He's doing it just to get fans engaged, and the fans have really responded. Uh, rich people don't like uh, like the Moj and Amar Doman don't like to lose money. Okay, so uh, <laughs> so how long <laughs> how long, Bob? Do you, like, are are you are you in the uh, in the camp that he is really in it for the long haul? Because we've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, he has such a passion for the Lions for the CFL. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about the long haul, the Lions have done so much to engage amateur football, amateur football players, like the little kids, right? I mean, there have been games this year where like 15, 20 little, little guys are running out on the field with BC Lions flags. So they've done so much to engage the youth. And, you know, Mark told me, like, when he took over ownership of this team, he was like, you know, the one thing that drives me nuts, he says, my kids – they're all wearing NFL jerseys, not wearing Lions jerseys. They should be wearing Lions jerseys. And that's one thing that he's really kind of focused on is to get the brand out there. Because, hell, like when I was a kid, Ballsy, I mean, you're probably a couple of years younger, but, you know, there used to be a big department store chain here in the lower mainland in BC called Woodward's. You go into Woodward's, there was a Leaf jersey, there was a Canadian jersey, a Canucks jersey, and a Lions jersey. That was it, mm-hmm. right? Well, now the marketplace is flooded, right? And it's such a battle to get fans engaged. And, you know, one of the things when you look at the NFL, I mean, look what they did with that Toy Story thing over the weekend. Unreal. Amazing. But, yeah, but, I mean, you know, look at the other things. See, if you're a little kid, I mean, what are fans, what are those 9- and 10-year-olds doing? They're playing Madden, right? They're getting hooked on the NFL. And somehow, way, that's the the generation that you have to re-engage. And Amar Doman's gone extremely hard after that generation. Bob Marjanovic, a great uh, play-by-play man for the BC Lions. Yeah, you brought up yesteryear. And uh, in, uh, yeah, 83 for sure, 83-84-85, you know, Winnipeg, BC, Edmonton, all in the mix. But it was, I remember watching the, you know, the the DeWalt-Clements battles. It really feels like it's that way again, and it it pains me to say that as the voice of the Riders, but tip of the cap, I mean, the Bombers have been around it for the last few years, but the Lions are knocking on the door. But I really believe, Bob, if uh, the team you broadcast for is going to get to a great cup, it's more advantageous, uh, advantageous, pardon me, to play in BC place as opposed to going to Winnipeg? Because not only is it colder, Bob, but they seem to get all the calls there. Oh, just don't don't even get me going on Winnipeg. <laughs> it's the only place I It's the only team I know in the CFL where their quarterback and head coach can badmouth the refereeing and not get fined. Mm-hmm. So that's another story for another time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, that concerns, uh, you know, Lions observers is the fact that they just haven't been able to run the football like 
some of the other teams have. And that's one thing. And, you know, I talked to Hugh Campbell or Hugh Campbell, Rick Campbell about it. And Rick just said, hey, you know, we're throwing the ball well, so we're not going to go away from what we do well, right? Yet at the same time, there, there comes a time where you're going to have to run the football. And um, I, if I'm looking at a matchup in late November, early October, or pardon me, early November, whatever the, the date <laughs> yeah. is, if you're the BC Lions and their running game, I'd rather be indoors and be able to throw that football around at BC Play Stadium rather than go to a rather frigid Winnipeg IG field. You know, I, I really think it comes down to the quarterbacking because both teams have excellent receiving cores. I put BC a little ahead of Winnipeg in that category. Uh, somehow the Blue Bombers have dodged father time with their older offensive line, although, uh, you know, uh, some weeks ago the BC Lions made them look pretty pretty old in that the drubbing at Winnipeg, and then, of course, you guys played them, but uh, what, on like five days rest, two games and five days road games? So what did you? expect but um you know i i think it's gonna come down to the quarterback play my question to you is this where would you put vernon adams in the mop discussion well uh put him probably just on the periphery of it like right there with you know all the the guys people are talking about like kelly and caleros and even brady Oliveira. but i mean look at the numbers between caleros and vernon adams jr there's really not that much difference in fact i think vernon's thrown for more yardage i don't have it handy on me yeah, right yes. now because I'm in my vehicle here, but I think he's thrown for more yards than Caleros, right? But you know what's interesting with Vernon? It just seems like he never gets his due. Everybody's just kind of expecting Vernon Adams to just kind of like, you know, go out there and throw four interceptions and everybody's going to go, oh, same old Vernon, right? It's almost like that Henry Burris type mm-hmm. um, dynamic. So um, I think he deserves a lot more due than he's been getting and that comes into hand when you're talking about the MLP award. So lastly, Bob, uh, where do you see this game won or lost tomorrow in BC? Well, I, I think a big big part of it is you touched on the quarterbacks. I think the Lions have to move the football and try to make this into a, a bit of a track meet. And I say that because you don't want the Bombers controlling the clock with their ground game. You want to take Brady Oliveira out of it. And if you make it into a little bit of a track meet, I, I like BC's DBs against Winnipeg's receivers. I mean, Winnipeg has a really good receiving core. But let me let, let me rephrase that. I like that matchup. Mm-hmm. I think BC has a stronger secondary than Winnipeg's, particularly with no Demario Houston. So it's it's going to be interesting. And you know, I think the other thing too is what the Lions did the first time around. They got the Zach Caleros. They won both uh, sides of the line of scrimmage. And for me, that's that's another big one in this game. And the thing that kind of scares you if you're a Lions fan or observer is Janarian Grant coming back because he's had some pretty big games for BC. It'll be interesting to see how effective and what type of impact he might have in the game. Hey, lastly, Moj, I want to get your opinion on what happened with Montreal where they tried that quick little one-yard punt and recover it. What do you think of that? I'm not a fan of it. I like the rule. I like the onside rule. I just don't like it in that instance. Mm-hmm. I don't like that you get a new series of downs because you basically punt the ball one yard and jump on it. Yeah, um, it's kind of cheap. It's kind of cheap, and props to Montreal for exploiting that rule. But I think you should have. There should be like at least the distance to the first down marker if you want to get a new set of downs. Right. I agree. Um, I think that would probably be the way to go to kind of take that out because you know the the thing I don't like about it, it is kind of a chintzy, cheap play. And the fact of the matter is, we're trying to gain fans to the CFL. I don't see a lot of 
fans that look at that and kind of go, oh, that's really cool. Well, that was like, I mean, it, it just kind of made the, the league look a little ticky tack, and I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, and I don't think, like, I know there's uh, many things that can go wrong, but, you know, when you do an onside punt, you have the guys run back behind the punter, and they, uh, you know, the punters lined up, what, 14, 15 yards behind the center? So they at least got to run about 16 yards to get the ball to get onside. So there's uh, uh, more of an element of skill than just a one yard little dribble kick to yourself. And yeah, it, it looks kind of cheesy to me. It's the equivalent of the stupid five yard defensive holding in the NFL where you get an automatic first down. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and you know the one that that I learned about just this year um, was the fact that if you have a second and goal in the CFL and you're, say, at the six-yard line mm-hmm. and there's an offside, you get an automatic first down. It's not like the NFL and the NCAA, well, they're only going to give you half the distance to the yard or probably half the distance to the goal and then you still maintain the same down. Like in the CFL, if it's if you're in the NFL and it's second and goal from the six and you're offside defensively, now it's second and goal from the three. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the CFL, it's first and goal from the three. They'll give you half the distance and they'll give you a first down, which to me, I don't like that rule either. Riders are chasing the lines in the standings, and I'm chasing this guy in the broadcasting industry. I look up to this guy, Bob Marjanovic, the Moj. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell this to your, to your listeners out there because I see a lot of the stuff that goes on Twitter and this and that, and people rant against Ballsy. i got to say, it's interesting because I hear all this crap about you being disrespectful, yet I go on Twitter, I don't see anything that's disrespectful. It's like you're just calling it the way you see it. Meanwhile, you got the guy of province over from you calling you every single name in the book. Nobody said anything about that. And the guy did reach out, and he did apologize. But still, yeah. I'm thinking, like, why isn't there, like, a big uproar over that? Then you got the guys on the other side of the province who think that, you know, they say, well, they've got the best stadium. They've got the loudest fans. They've got the best team. they got the MOP. I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right? I mean, there are other teams in this league, right? I mean, it's just it's comical to hear some of the stuff that goes on, and that's why I don't get involved into X and Twitter ballsy. Because if I did, it wouldn't be good. It just it'd be like it'd be bad. So hey, props to you out there and wading into that cesspool. Thanks. I'm cutting back, but I'll tell you what every every organization needs a good heel, and you and I are fitting the bill. So let's stick together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Have a good weekend. Take care. Good luck. See ya. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.